Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. We can find instant satisfaction in almost anything these days. Sleepy? Instant coffee. Need to sell your car fast? Car sales? Instant offer. That's right. Sell your car the instant way. And get it done with Australia's most trusted site for cars. Yes, indeed. It's three minutes past six o'clock on the 24th of March, 2022. Stand up for your rights. It's big dub in Sydney town. The king of Sydney, Barry Hall, turf war. Wake up, mate. Look at who's coming at you from the other side of the ring. That was over before it started. What a hero. Sonny Bill Williams, friend of the show, absolute legend, New Zealand Sport Hall of Famer, World Sport Hall of Famer. We're going to talk about it throughout the morning. Gavin Casey up after 7am. He's an Irish boxing correspondent and he loves his rugby. And he was in camp with Andy Lee and Sonny Williams during the preparation for this fight. And he's going to let us know what he saw from the dark places Sonny had to go to and how that came out last night. Can't wait to catch up with Gavin Casey just up after 7am this morning. Mark Purden is going to be talking all things harness racing. Akuta. Akuta is going to be uh, the short price dollar twenty dollar thirty odd favourite tomorrow night in the Derby. Can Beach Ball, Franco Indy, anything else upset him? Maybe, but probably not. We'll talk to Mark Purden about that. And also, well, Purds is, um, he's looking after us, isn't he? Self-assured. The master trainer, the master horse, self-assured, is our representative in the slot race, the race, with grins. Good to see Beaver and ALB and DMAT getting involved there. Um, but we'll, we'll talk to Mark Purden about how self-assured is travelling, if he's going well, if he thinks he is the deserved favourite, and we might even ask Mark if he's going to drive him, try and get the bully. After 8 o'clock, Jim Kays, we're going to talk some rugby because, well... I've seen the Crusaders side named to play the Chiefs this week, and if I was the Chiefs, I would be licking my lips at that four-pack. It is tough going at the moment, Super Rugby Pacific, with COVID running rampant through teams. TJ Pedernara is back for the Hurricanes after a few weeks, and that is good to see. Uh, But in general, it's a funny time for rugby in the country because I think what you'll find is the North has been able to forge ahead during COVID and really get back to normal 
just like every aspect of our life. And and I think that rugby hasn't been immune to that and the standard of it, including the refereeing as well. Um, I, I'm quite curious to know exactly where we are at. I said on Monday morning, are we stuck in a rugby eco chamber here in New Zealand? Are we convinced that we are better than we are? Are we stuck looking at our product and looking at our administration and just looking at the way we consume the game? And are we not really paying attention to how the rest of the world is going about it? Meanwhile, France are dominant favourites, in my opinion, for the Rugby World Cup. And uh, 50, there was only a 50 cent difference at the TAB the other morning. I think France were $3, New Zealand was $3.50. I think that should be 90 cents. It just didn't quite stack up to me. Where is Ireland at as well? Well, we can find out from our man Gavin up there. Uh, Jim Kay's talking all things rugby, a bit of a rugby summit. State of the nation-y type kind of chat with Jim up after 8 a.m. this morning. And then Tom Abercrombie for Court Kings. Uh, That is exactly what we'll do throughout the morning. Court Kings is... Um, well, I've been great because we get to catch up with Tom each and every week and it's around guys that you want to see do well and good guys in sport, in New Zealand sport. Tom Abercrombie, top of the pops for me. Uh, he is one of the absolute best dudes going round. Um, look, throughout the morning today, we're going to talk about a bunch of different stuff. One thing that we won't be able to skim over is the Ash Barty retirement from yesterday. Ash Barty, probably one of the more dominant athletes globally over the last five years. Uh, Sorry, maybe more like two years. Ever since she won that shock French Open a few years back, the way she's been able to go from strength to strength in the sport of tennis after having... um, already kind of taken a break and enjoyed herself playing cricket, coming back fresh and getting stuck in. Her Australian Open run earlier this year was one of the more staggering um, single Grand Slam events we've seen men's or women's. It was really, it was Novak-esque or Serena-esque in their plomp. They were, they were, you know, at that dominant force where no one could get to them and Ash Barty had got there I think Australia was probably licking their lips and rubbing their hands together thinking we have got this champion athlete this champion human being here for us to enjoy I know the broadcast rights uh, for, for tennis would have been going through the roof I don't know about that now I think tennis was probably at an incredible place in Australia at the start of this year with those Absolute clowns, Kyrgios and Kokonakis going at it, but that you know the Aussies seem to love that. Meanwhile, the polar opposite of end of class, you had Ash Barty, who was equally as box office and just one of the real, real proper good people in sport. So yesterday, when she came out and gave us a bit of this, I'll be retiring from tennis, and it's the first time I've actually said it out loud. And um, yeah, it's it's hard to say. But I'm so happy and I'm so ready and I just know at the moment in my heart for me as a person, this is right. And um, I know I've, I've done this before, um, but in a very different feeling. And I'm so grateful to everything that tennis has given me. Yeah, well, Ash, I think the, probably the, the most important thing to say here is we are grateful for everything you've given tennis. I think it was it probably couldn't have been summed up better than by Andy Murray, and Andy Murray has had a very, very uh, turbulent 
sporting career, really. If you think about the the lows he's had with hip injuries, um, battling him behind Roger and Ruffer and Novak and, and getting his grand slam, he understands the... He, look, he's probably got one of the better perspectives in tennis, and I love it when Andy Murray speaks. I think he speaks with a lot of sense. He said, happy for Ash Barty, gutted for tennis. What a player. And I think that's right. And actually, I'd go one step further, Andy. I think it's gutted for sport because... Look, I guess when you watch enough sport and you consume enough sport over a long period of time, you kind of start to find yourself drawn to identities that cross over not just sporting greatness, but this level of humility and this level of... um, What's the best way to describe the way I feel about how Ash Barty presents herself? She is never bigger than the sport. And she's never bigger than her opponent. And she's never bigger than the people that have paid to watch her. And she's never bigger than the person interviewing her. And she's never bigger than her family, than the legends gone before her. Her sense of where she is and what she is in relation to tennis and in relation to sport, I feel has always been so, so warm. And I think there's a, a real genuineness where you're attracted to Ash Barty because you know that she understands that she's just moving through and she's always been there and she's very kind of cerebral and, and present in that moment. And it's really, it's it's hard to not be drawn to her, not just as a tennis player, but as a human being. Greg Baum of the Sydney Morning Herald, uh, well, he's a great writer, a very, very, very good writer. And, and this is what he had to say. I'm going to take a bit of his column here. And I, I just thought it hit the nail on the head for me when I read it first thing this morning. Barty was never in it for the money. When she won the season-ending WTA tournament in Shenzhen in 2019 and won the biggest single check ever collected by a tennis player, male or female, she merely said that was Christmas sorted for her toddler, niece, toddler's niece and nephew. She knows what she is giving up, and money is the least of it. She didn't play for trophies. Some ended up as vases in her sister's houses. She didn't play for the travel. She is at heart a homebody. She is still as Queensland as they come. She didn't play for a claim. Australia has had few more modest or more dignified sports champions. She didn't play to accumulate. Before we had even considered whether or not she was playing for longevity, she gave us the answer. And Greg, for me, is just middled that one and I think the word is dignified and that kind of sums up everything I was saying about how present she was understanding her place and, and exactly where she was in in uh, she was yeah, playing what she was playing where she was in terms of kind of the whole uh, tennis and sporting environment and for Ash Barty to be giving up at age 25 I don't necessarily know if it's surprising I don't necessarily know if um we should be shocked, but I think we should be thankful. I think we should be grateful for her place and what she's done for sport in Australia and around the world in tennis in particular. Well, I think they needed Ash Barty, and I think they're a better off sport for it. Anyway, that's my thoughts on Ash Barty. We'll hear from you on 0800 Give me a call on the Kennard's Tire phone line or send us a text on the Temper Bed Post text machine. We'll talk about players and athletes that have retired early throughout their careers throughout the morning. Uh, if you've got any nominations of athletes you never saw the best of or retired early, get in touch. 
I, Christian Cullen jumps to mind. I think he stopped playing for the All Blacks when he was 27. Um, some injuries there. Who are, who are the other ones? Who has retired before we've probably seen the best of them? It's 14 minutes past 6 o'clock. Going to shoot off. Hopefully on the other side, catch up with my man Izzy Dag. Uh, we're here with the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Baz and Izzy for breakfast here through 9 o'clock. Big show coming up. Stay with us. SCNZ with 19 minutes past 6 o'clock this morning. Oh, great to see some traffic coming through on the text machine early doors. Hey, Louie and Izzy. Uh, Barty reminds me of Bjorn Borg, who retired at 26. First man to win 11 Grand Slams. His biggest rival, John McEnroe, tried to re- convince him not to. Well, there you go. That is, from, that is from Sam. And Sam, it's a great point because, you know, rivals aren't anything without their contemporaries. And, uh, look, John McEnroe understood that. Anyway, that's enough of me. I've talked enough for one morning. I'm going back to bed. Uh, we've got Izzy Dag on the line. Izzy, morning. Morning. How are ya? Come on, mate. Well done, Louis. Well done. That's why you spent all those years at broadcasting school because you <laughs> held it with so much glamour, mate. You were, you were pure. You're like a pure putting green, mate. You just dealt with the punches. You got the Barry Hall straight to the nostril, and you were like, "Oh, what do I do here?" Bang! Ash Barty, audio playing, just real clear, precise. And you've even got a good text message coming through, mate. So well done. Sorry about that. I did not sleep in. I'll tell you that. I was here <laughs> waiting. I didn't sleep in, <laughs> Uncle. I know you're sleeping in and sending us sm- uh, snoring emojis, but I didn't sleep in this morning. No, we just uh, had a wee few diff- diff- uh, technical difficulties, mate, but we're here. Louis, how are you, my brother? I'm good, bro. And it's very I, like I'd love to clarify that yeah, yeah, you didn't sleep in. Where is Kimpy? Are we are we like Kimpy is are we uncle? I don't know. Kimpy, he must have slept in again. Well, Kimpy, if you wake up and decide to come to the show come to the show today, come to work, that'd be good. Bro, how are you? How was your how's your day been? Did you stay up to watch Sonny Bill Williams just obliterate Barry Hall? <laughs> no, I, did, I didn't stay up, Louis. It was a bit too late for me. I, I struggled to get past. I rang you at about 11, ah, 7 o'clock yesterday, and I was in bed. And I've honestly, I was snoring by about 8, and the wife looks at me and goes, Are you asleep already? I'm like, No. And then I opened up my eyes, and I was absolutely out. And she's like, Oh my goodness. And then I turned the TV off at 8 30, and she goes, What are you doing? I said, I'm going to bed. You're going to bed too. I need to go to sleep. Um, so, no, I didn't watch it. I got up this morning and, and checked it out, mate. Look, honestly, Barry Hall was was pretty underwhelming, and uh, but we know his credentials. And obviously, he fought Gallon a couple of years ago, so you can't take too much about He's obviously aged and and things like that. But but Sonny was very very impressive. I thought. I think um, we can take a lot out of that and his work with Andy Lee, and even being surrounded by Tyson Fury, Joseph Parker. Like when you are surrounded about around the best in the world, mate, you're going to get the best work. You're going to get the best um, information coming through. Everything just ticks the boxes for me for Sonny going forward. Um, so I was, yeah, very, very impressed. And, and I'm going to flick Sonny a message today and I'll try and get him on the show in the morning and, and get him get him to break down his fight. And potentially we might see see him fighting Paul Gallen. I know that's the fight everyone wants and Paul Gallen is pretty freakish at what he does. So that'll can, be a huge test for him, but is very he, can, good. Is he, can I just say that I don't actually want that fight? I don't care. You don't want that one? Nah, I don't nah. care. I actually don't. Like, I, I know Paul Gallon is desperate for it, and the more Paul yeah. Gallon is desperate for it, the more I'm like, well, like, no offence, Paul, but 
we just had former middleweight champion and uh, like w- probably going to be a Hall of Fame trainer if he keeps going on this path, Andy Lee, on our show. Mm. And he said Sonny Bill Williams, if he does this for two more years and keeps trending. And last night, if we take that as the basement of what Sonny Bill can do, well, why would Sonny Bill Williams be fighting Paul Gallon? Like, why <laughs> would he fight an old guy who's had his head bashed in by Justice Hooney recently and he's probably over the hill already, the peak is gone. Like, if I'm Sonny Bill's mm. camp, I'm looking at Paul Gallon as, like, the the, the fullback, fullback option. I, I don't think okay. that's where their sights should be, is he? Mm. That's interesting. Interesting. Um, Uncle's text through the text line. He says, uh, <laughs> Hall's took a dive. <laughs> Uncle, go to bed. Go to bed, mate. Stop listening. Have a sleep in. Put your sleeping emojis on and, and start snoring, mate. We'll, we'll deal with you later for missing another show. Uh, we'll we'll just take a little pay cut out of your pay. Uh, look, yeah, that's interesting, Louis. Interesting that you, you think he's going to... I just feel uh, there's just been so much beef, so much heat um, over the last couple of years. You know, Gallon calling him out and then it not coming to fruition and and things like that. So, yeah, I, but I understand definitely where you're coming from. So if it's not Gallon, where, do where does he go? Does he stay in Australia? Does he fight that justice... Justice he knew guy, you know, uh, well, I can't remember. What's, the, what's his last name? Justice Hooney, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Hooney. Um, if, does he fight him? He's very, very classy. Or does he build himself up to that guy? Because that guy's been fighting for a very long time. He's very established. He's got a lot of experience. That's a big step, big jump for, for Sonny, I feel. So he's got to build his way up. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself. He did just fight Barry Hall, who, who was aged and looked very slow and, and very poor. So you can't jump too far ahead, I feel. No, you can't. You're right. I think there's two different paths, though. Like, I think there's the genuine mm. path of wanting to be a boxer and make a real proper fist at this, or there's the path where you go to the Paul Gallon, maybe maybe a Kevin Mialamu, you know, like maybe you stay in that kind of more celebrity, that kind of route. And obviously yeah. if he does that, he's going to dominate. He's going to make a lot of He's going to make a lot of money, um, and, he's mm. gonna, and he's going to have probably a lot of fun. But... Does he want to do that, and does Andy Lee want to be a part of that, or do they want to have a proper crack at, at becoming a legend in another sport and earning respect of, you know, because where, where we've gone with boxing, it's kind of like there's two different types of boxing, right? There's boxing, and then mm. there's celebrity boxing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. think Sonny Bill Williams is probably the closest guy we've had to someone who really, really wants to be a boxer because he's got... Andy Lee is a trainer. He went to Ireland mm-hmm. and he trained with Tyson Fury. We, we was the last celebrity we saw do that. No one has ever done that before. Nah. So I think nah. he's the closest, the closest celebrity, quote unquote, that we're ever going to get to actually give boxing a proper shake. You know that. You know, and I suppose weirdly enough, the the guy you'd compare him to is Jake Paul. Mm. Yeah, no, nah, I, I totally agree, mate. Like, I, I think he's out of that celebrity realm of of. To, uh, to just fighting for money, I think he's he's definitely hundred percent dedicated. You and and Tyson and Joey and Andy Andy Lee would not take in no mug. They would not say yes just because you're Sadie Bill Williams. You've done well in the code. They'd say yes because they've seen potential. They've seen drive. They've seen a mental toughness that is unmatched, and and they see dedication. And that's what you need in in the sport of boxing. You need dedication, mate. You're in a a ring by yourself. You got your trainer outside. He's telling you things, but you're by yourself in there, mate. You need to be mentally as tough as they come. Kevin Mialamu, 
look, as much as I would want their team, I just don't know if they'd want to fight each other. Look, it'd be interesting. They, they may. They may want to um, have a crack, and, and that's the way the boxing world um, goes at the moment. But you look at Joseph Parker and Tyson Fury there, um, love and, and kind of admiration for each other. They'll they, fight. They, they've already come out and said... They will fight. That, no, they, Tyson and Joe. Izzy, if the money is enough, they will fight. Nah, they won't. I, I, I you they won't. Do you want to have a side wager? Yeah, I'll put a side wager on it. Before the They've end, already come out and said they won't fight each other. Mate, and I respect both of them. I think I think they are more two probably more of the honest boxers in the world. But before the end of their career, if things start slowing down for either of them and the fight makes sense and that's what has to happen for no. the ultimate glory and for the belts and for the they cash. They won't fight. If that's I what has to happen, though, that's what they'll do. No, they will not fight, Louie. I promise you. Okay. I promise you. It's Little, let's have a little. Promise let's have a little bit. Let's have a bit slip on it. All right. How much? On air or off air? Hundred on air. Give it. Give it a handy. Give it a handy. They won't. I already like when I, I think well, I spoke to Joe last Friday. So Joe gave me a face like randomly out of out of nowhere, and I was like, "Oh, Joey, what's he up to, mate? He is so driven, so dedicated." I was like, well, "How you been, bro?" He's like, "Look, uh, been just nailing my training, just eating really well." He's got the same diet guy as as um as uh, Tyson that that uh, I think his name George the dietitian over there, and like he hasn't drunk since I think January first, so he's been just like real Whoa. dedicated to his sport, and uh, I think there's going to be a big announcement. I thought on his um on his uh, Instagram the other day that he's going to fight that um, Joe Joyce guy. Yep. Out of uh, out of the UK, and apparently, like he is a rock star, monsters everyone, like knocks out every opponent he fights. So he's a big, big fight. And he was telling me, like, nah, they, they reckon I'll oh, maybe just sidetracking. But Joe's like, nah, I'm not sidetracking no one. I want to fight this guy. So that could potentially be the next fight. Um, but no, nah, I don't reckon he's going to fight Tyson Fury, mate. But we'll have we'll have a look. You might be right. I might be wrong. You might be wrong, and I'll be right, and I'll be going hundred and putting it on the nostril of um, a tissue, a tissue when it comes back. Mate. <laughs> there you go. Eh? <laughs> now, look, my logic is, and I and I fully, I fully agree, and I believe Joe when he says he's not sidestepping mm. everyone because anyone because when he came on the show a few weeks ago, remember how driven and how angry he mm. sounded? He was like mm. so fired up. I want to. I Dillian White's a prick. I want to bash him. You know, like I want to get in the yeah. ring and I want to have a crack at him. Joe Joyce is a big boy, and I think it'd be a fab- fabulous fight. I guess Izzy, what I'm banking on and what I'm betting on here is never say never in boxing, because boxing is it's the business of fight the fight game is you can never be surprised by anything. And just because they say they don't want to fight each other, if it made sense and the and the belts stacked up, and that's what happens. Because here's what what happens if Joe comes out well, and win, the wins his brothers. Can I just can I just look run a Klitschko can brothers. I just run a, a hypothetical by What happens if Joe comes out and wins his next four fights emphatically and he and and he is on the up and Tyson holds the belts? Are you telling me that they won't make that happen? Just be- Tyson will retire before then. Tyson will be finished before then. He's I've, he's already stated he's only got a couple more fights and then he wants to pass it on. I guess we'll see. So before Joe, Joe gets to that situation, he won't. But I look at the Klitschko brothers, and that's kind of like the brotherly love I see over there at the moment. They never fought each other. They're in the same division. Klitschko had, had all the bouts. There was opportunities to fight, and he said no. Anyway, Louis, none of us know. They know. Hey. Uh, uh, 
Oh, hey, well, speaking, <laughs> we'll of, find the, out. speaking of the Klitschko's, good to see uh, Usyk. He's been uh, led out of Ukraine to go and get, prepare for his, his rematch against Anthony Joshua. <laughs> so, you know, it's, isn't it, it's like, it's quite novel. Like, he's been on the front lines with like a genuine gun in his hand fighting for his country. Now he's about to go and fight for that belt, those belts again and, and put them on the line against AJ. So uh, he's got the ultimate perspective. L- Louis, I told you Kempi would sleep in again. Winner. Cheers, Brian. <laughs> Brian, you're right. What do we owe you, mate? Um, <laughs> and boys, <laughs> Barry Hall should have retired like Ash Barty before the fa- first round last night. <laughs> Jackson, yeah. Oh. Thanks, Jackson. It's good heat from you, mate. Double eight, double three. Will Joey for fight Tyson Fury? Isn't me? Is he and me? Uh, uh, Nick and Nick. A little match race down the straight on this one. We'll see what happens. It's tw- and who does Sunny fight next? Who does Sonny fight next? Where does Sonny go? And was he the real deal last night? Can we take too much out of it? Anyway, give us a text on double eight double three and let us know. We're going to go over to Aroha before we get in trouble. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SENZ 27 away from 7 1 round to Louis. Mark on the text. I'm on your side, Louis. Back in the day, Toe and Cameron were buddies. Look what happened. Never say never. Toa and Cameron. Mark. Mark. Tyson and Joe. They, they just what? Gave each other a little, you know, wink. Hey, bro, how you go? They weren't buddies. Come on, mate. Mate, I love this. One, mate. I love this. Okay, round one. I love no one knows. We're going to find out soon. Okay. We might not find fight. out soon. Trust me. When we do find out, and when they fight, I'm going to three years with I'm, inflation. That'll be two hundred and fifty bucks you owe me, mate. I'm going to so say, is he just is he just put that one ETH on um, Joe by knockout, mate? And I'll I'll take the profit off that, and that's what I'll be saying yeah. to you, mate. Okay, I'm going to hold on to this one. Loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Uh, it's busy time in racing. What are we? Thursday, 24th of March. So uh, let's go have a look. Let's see what we've got going on, Izzy, because oh, yesterday, actually, a hard luck story. Moana just didn't quite let down in the track oh. and um, blew up your multi. So sorry about that, mate. That, that's a shame. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. And I would have lost it anyway because Super Daisy came second. Came second in, the, in my final leg, but um, got the first two legs. Uh, Tavi, Tavi with me, mate. Well done. That was a good one. Mm, yeah, just couldn't quite get Moana up though, could we? Couldn't I? I thought she might mm. jump for get up for a place, but not quite. Hey, this weekend, mate. Um, it's a it's a quieter weekend, but we do have the Maz, uh, Ultimate Mazda Japan Trophy at Todong, which is always quite a fun race. Uh, it's over the mile, open set weights and penalties, and Marley Ston is back. Marley Ston, who ran that huge race when uh, the Chosen One won his Group One down at Well and down at Trentham, uh, he had that really unfair weight that day, and he was terribly weighted, and he bounced through them and ran a massive third and hit the line so hard. So he's been freshened up, and he's back in the market here at three dollars sixty. I get the feeling that Darren Weatherly's going to take Marley Ston to Australia at some stage, and Sam will go and ride. And I think that's where the story's heading. He's a, he's a lightly tried four year old, 
He's a very, very impressive horse. So we'll see what happens with Marley Stone. I did see we'll be on weather watch as well this weekend because if there is heaps of rain through the middle of the North Island, it might be a little bit niggly for some of these horses. The one I was curious about was Hypnos in the race. $5 into $4.20, freshened up and coming back to the mile. So someone must know something. Is that you? Have you had a bet there, Izzy? I mean, I don't know. Where's that that cash coming from? No, I've had a bet on Howard at race three tomorrow, though. I know it's a ra- it's a field full of donkeys, but oh, we'll don- see. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, I just have a wee look, mate. Can it get the maiden? Can it get the maiden, Louis? What do you reckon? A field full of donkeys. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know what? You know what? I'll promise you something, Izzy. When you're so, you think uh, Colt gets gelded and. <laughs> And, and goes to the races, and it runs down the track, and and it might, because not all horses, they don't win every time. They're not all like wings. I will never, ever call your horse a donkey. I will never in my life ever I'm call your joking, horse a donkey. Louis. <laughs> I did not yeah. call your horse a donkey. I was just saying, have a little tongue-in-cheek, because you think you got round one. Now we're square. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. I knew you had to get one back. You <laughs> land one. <laughs> That's why they call me the dagger. Anyway, I've looked at Howard. Howard. If I get paid, mate. If I get paid, is this good chance? It's got. It's got the chance to get the maiden, mate. Oh, to be fair, you're right. This field is not the. It's not the front line two year olds, is it? Um, it's Howard on a Friday, but they got to start somewhere. A lot of. You know what? I, look, I tell you what. I'm thinking about what Jamie would say if um, he was on the show now, and I said, Jamie, just tell us we got a chance. He'd say, Well, Louis. You're the only horse in the race that has two starts to your name. So you've got race day experience. And if she runs up to that first day, her first um, race kind of form, where she pretty much chased really hard at Ellerslie on Boxing Day, there's no reason she's not an each-way chance here. From a good barrier, Kozia Sano's a strong rider, can bound her out of the gates, push her along. Let's have, a, let's have a look. Maybe each way money. But the thing is, tab.co.nz, my dear friends, just because we're talking about her, she'll, they'll probably open her up skinny. Paul Mawadi will probably nick a couple of bucks off us. <laughs> so I don't know whether we'll be, back, we'll be backing her, but I'm pretty excited. And it's always cool to have her go to the races. And, yeah, so that's tomorrow, not even Saturday. Good luck, brother. I'll be, I'll be watching. I'll be watching that race, mate. I'll be watching that race. And I've just had a look at the field tomorrow as well. How would I? I like Bradman. Bradman. I like R.I.P. Van Gogh as well. Rip in peace, Van Gogh. Rip Van Gogh. Um, so there you go. There's a couple of nice horses running tomorrow, mate. And I wish you all the best for your if I get paid, you know, because I was over in Australia and it is a great feeling when you know you've got something invested in these horses. Um, so I can understand the feeling that you've got, mate. And hopefully I can uh, replicate that feeling when we've got this horse. We've actually named it, Lily. <gasps> We, look, we've, we've named it as a group. We've got uh, the names available. I don't want to say it now before we lock it in. We're trying to lock it well, in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> have you named it or have you not named it? We have named it, so we've sent it to the uh, to the place that that you get the naming right. Bureau from. of naming. The bureau of naming, and then. Um, we just haven't been confirmed yet. So I don't want to say it and then someone else steals it. <laughs> but I'll, I'll text you. I'll text you. <laughs> okay, you text me and then I'll tell everyone. Um, <laughs> I'll chuck a lazy hundy on Sonny Boo Williams and Kev never fighting. Two good mates wouldn't do it. Also, has there ever been ex-teammates who don't have a grudge 
box but have, don't have a grudge against each other. Um, yeah, it's a good point. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure there's probably a couple of teammates, Izzy, that might want to have landed one on you throughout the years. <laughs> Plenty. Plenty trying to knock me out. There was Scott Barrett over in um, South Africa after we won our 2017 title. And uh, I was telling the Fords that I'd beat them. You know how they're like the, the rolling more, the more is their like sacrificial. No one scored a more in try. I said, mate, I'd more try you. I'd get you. Come on, let's go. And I was kept winding up Scotty Barrett and he all oh, each trying to chuck me in this pond, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so probably Scooter Barrett trying to roll me. <laughs> don't don't that's probably that's probably why he got red carded later on that year before the World Cup, mate. You you, pro- you probably he had so much frustration in him. Hey, it's twenty minutes away from seven o'clock. We're gonna shoot off Quizzy Dag on the other side. Give us a call. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven. Love Racing NZ. It's your home for everything. Thoroughbreds news, reviews, previews, a lot. Go check it out. Quizzy Dag after this. This is how you do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. This is how we do it. Quizzy Dag, come play it. Quizzes on the line, just one at a time. Don't Google a lie. Phone a friend, you'll be fine. Just listen for the signs. DAB with the prize. 50 bucks if you're wise. If you're wrong, and then we'll say goodbye. This is how we do it. This is how we do it. Quizzy, they come play it. Quizzy, they come play it. Oh, 800. 150 811 Now give us a call This is how you do it Yes, that's right New quiz to start the Thursday Uncle will be up and about at his home Dancing to that one And we can't wait for him to bring a little bit of a What is it? Dr. Dre Hey, 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 Uncle Hey Anyway Woo I'm up now. Can't wait to rip into this quiz. We're going to get Simon on the line from Auckland. Morning, Simon. Morning, Izzy. Hey, brother. Uncle's away, so Louis your friend today, hey? Hey. <laughs> 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 All right, brother. We'll rip into one. Rip into one. Question number one. Where do the All Blacks sit in the latest World Rugby Rankings? Five. Um, four. Three, two, one. Um, we'll go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, cop. Try to stall there. Yeah, no, I'm going to I'm going to have to say, I'm going to say sorry, brother. I'm going to say sorry and have a cracking day, my bro. We're going to go to Tim in Christchurch. Timmy. How are you, Izzy? I'm very, very good, my friend. Question number one: Where do the All Blacks sit in the latest world ranking, world rugby rankings? Third, four. Yeah, they are third. Wow. Anyway, question number two. (laughs) Turds. Question number two. Poor old Barry Hall thought we'd show him some love. What year did Barry Hall win his only AFL premiership? Ooh, oh, um, Ooh, I need to find a friend on that one, three, I think. Um, half of Kempe's favourite number. 
No, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me stop. Let me stop that. That was I had that. That was another clue. That's the next question. There you go. If you if you get, if you get through this one, if you get through this one, oh, use, use that for the next one. Um, no. <laughs> uh, Michael Michael Campbell won the US Open. Uh, Two thousand and five. Yes. Okay. I don't even have to ask you the question. What is it? Three. <laughs> <laughs> Louis, Louis, get out of here, Louis. Wow. Okay, question number four. Who is the coach of Newcastle United football team? Five, four, uh, three, the next, oh, is it the next two. Head? No, I think he got six. One. Gone. Sorry, Timmy, brother. Have a good day, my mate. We're going to get Luke and Dunny done. I got a great Luke clue key. as well. I got a great clue. <laughs> Luke, good morning. Morning, 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 morning. Who was the coach of Newcastle United football team? Eddie Howe. This is how we do it. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Here we go. Question number five to take it home, my friend. Which cricketing star won man of the match in the first ever IPL game? Five, four. Oh, good. Phone a friend? Oh, what do you reckon? <sighs> Tough, mate. Nah. Nah, I reckon. <laughs> no. I'll go, I'll go bad. Have, have a snap, bro. Have a guess. I'll go bad. <laughs> well, you got, got it right, mate. Baz from Dunedin and oh. Luke from Dunedin. It's meant to be, brother. Well done. Nice. 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 Thank you. Thank you for, for tuning in, mate. Hey, just quickly, you like our intro? I did. That was one of the better ones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't claim it. Louis is very rhythmic. He's got a good rhythmical mind. Is that how you say it? Yeah, something like that. Anyway, oh, oh. He's got a good brain. Thanks, Louis. Good rhymer. Good rapper. Yeah. Thanks, Lukey. Have a good day, mate. Cheers, Luke. Uh, thanks, Izzy. Thanks for the compliment, mate. But I can't, you know, I can only but write the lyrics, Um, you know, Really, it's down to the execution, you know. It's like Wayne Smith could say, Izzy, go step that guy, but you'd you'd have to go and do it, you know, and you'd have to put your tongue out and give him the big goosey, yeah. the wig whack. Yeah. Hope Sammy T. Hey, we've got we to send that to Sammy Thompson. Hope she, she likes that. We'll, go, we'll try and we'll do some more songs, and, and Uncle might even bring out a song, and if Uncle's awake. Uh, uh, honestly, oh, it's, awake. Unless, awake. unless he still... sleep sings, I don't know how we're going <laughs> to make that one. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle, sleep, because we don't want you missing the show again. Go to sleep and get as enough sleep as you can so you don't miss it. Okay? No. <laughs> he says shoot the friend. <laughs> he's he's not, I'm not happy with my phone to friends. Wow. And I don't like doing them either. Out of my comfort zone. Uh, eight away from seven. We are going to go on our Greyhound Racing New Zealand charity run up after this. After seven o'clock, we're going to talk all things boxing with our man out of the United Kingdom, out of Ireland, Gavin Casey. He was in camp with Joe Parker, not Joe Parker, Sonny B. Williams and Andy Lee. He saw how hard they work. He's going to give us a great perspective on Andy Lee and what sort of trainer he has become post his boxing career as well. Can't wait to catch up with Gavin Casey after 7 a.m., but... Greyhound charity run. After this, I'm Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Gillette's Besterest Razors Ever now start from just $19.99 at Chemist Warehouse. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ.
It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Yes, it absolutely is. Uh, Baz and Izzy for breakfast with Greyhound Racing New Zealand. Uh, we love our dogs and they love to race. And this weekend we are going to Addington tomorrow. We're on race two, number six, Homebush Tales. Izzy, we've actually been going pretty good in the Greyhound great charity run. We're actually, we're, actually, <laughs> we're actually going pretty good. So tomorrow, race two, number six, Homebush Tales is the one we're going to choose. Uh, have you been watching any of them or backing any of them? No, I haven't backed any of them, mate. I've just, I've, I'll be honest, it's, uh, it's tough work. Like, my money's gone in half a second, I reckon. I want at least a minute full of uh, you know satisfaction, a little bit of enjoyment and hope. But um, no, I haven't. I haven't backed them. I've had, I've, I've backed the dogs before. Like they are enjoyable, and when you get some good races, they're pretty mint. Oh, and yeah. cup weeks are a special week at, at Edmonton. But now, how much money have we, have we won, mate? Oh, I think we've. We've raised a wee bit, haven't we? Yeah, we're going pretty good for Child Cancer Foundation. Um, I think we're probably yeah. close to a couple of hundred bucks now. So yeah, the whole awesome. I, the whole idea, one hundred and thirty two to be specific. I like the sound of a couple of hundred bucks, but better. Um, <laughs> so it's it, it, look now nah, with with Greyhound Racing New Zealand. This is a fantastic initiative. We can help yeah. Child Cancer Foundation. That's what we like to do. So tomorrow, race two, number six, and we are at Addington. So go have a look. If you want to back it, go for it. If you don't, don't. Um, Izzy, I'd probably encourage you to stay off it, just because we seem to be going pretty well, and and I think that's maybe how we keep the roll on. Anyway, it's yeah, coming mate. up to yeah, seven a.m. Seven and we're going to go to Ireland after this is. We are, we are. We're going to go to Ireland, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with Gavin Casey talking Sunny Bill. He spent time in the camp with uh, Sonny Bill, and he's also an Irish, so we're going to talk a bit of rugby because I've been flying over in Ireland. So we'll get his take on on France, the Six Nations and that thing, all those types of things about rugby. And then we're going to talk about Ash Barty, the shock retirement. Who retired too young? I've got a few uh, names on my list. Anyway, I'm off to track down a McCafe about now. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning, you're listening to Bads and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ Thursday the 24th of March. We've got Louis Herman Watt up in Auckland holding the fort down. Tony Kemp having a moy this morning, he's not on the show, he'll be back shortly. We miss you uncle, hope you're having a good day. And Baz, our skip, he's over in the IPL, he's in India, he's preparing for his first hit out. 26th of March they take on the Chennai Super Kings, so we'll keep you up to date, we had a good chat with him. Uh, the other day, so if you've missed that, head over to our podcast on the SEN app and you'll get the Baz and Izzy for Breakfast podcast. We caught up with our skip. He's doing well. He's starting his campaign against Stephen Fleming's Chennai Super King. It was great to chat to him. Anyway, coming up on the show, and quickly before I uh, let you know what's coming up, I want to give a shout out to Tarafatiri, Tarafati, Gizzy, uh, my, uh, my wife's hometown area. All her family and loved ones are there and... Uh, I hope you're doing all safe and staying safe, and, and, and our love and prayers are, go out to you in this time. Lots of flooding, lots of water. Stay safe, look after yourselves, and uh, hopefully um, things will start to 
to recede and, and things will get a bit of normality back to you. So look after yourself, Tairawhiti in the Gizzy area. Uh, coming up on the show, we're going to have a chat to Mark Purden very, very shortly. Mark Purden is the trainer and drives self-assured in our slot race, 900k. We spoke to Mick Guerin yesterday about it. Who are, who is the biggest threats to um, self-assured? And, and it was a good little chat, so we're going to get Mark Purden on to have a wee chat about that. We've got a text message quickly before we get off to Gavin Casey. Barry Hall was the donkey. SBW was the wolf. Ha <laughs> ha. That is Steve from Kura. Thank you very much for that. Anyway, let's rip into it. Well, last night, Sonny Bill Williams was declared the king of Sydney. Sonny Bill probably more the boxer. Hall has been hit and Hall is down again. Wow, Sonny Bill is putting on a performance here. Six, He's seven, annihilating Barry in this, hour, in this round. Got to hold him. This is a long 70 seconds for Barry Hall. It's it's a Williams it's win. Sonny Bill, he's the king. Wow. Yes, it was an absolute bashing of Barry Hall and one that will fill SBW with a lot of confidence moving forward in his boxing career. Sonny was trained and supported by a genius of the sport and Andy Lee. A former world champion himself, the Irishman has become a powerhouse in the training game and is getting the results. Gavin Casey is a brilliant boxing journalist for the 42i.e and he got a look inside Sonny's camp with Andy and he's on the line with us now. G'day Gavin. How are you my friend? Good to talk to you. We're very, very well. Thank you so much for coming on our show mate. What did you make of that performance? It blew me away, actually, and I, I don't mean to overstate it because, look, Barry Hall has had one professional fight, but on the flip side of that coin, he has boxing pedigree from his youth in Australia. He probably has pedigree in throwing hands in the AFL and in international rules series against <laughs> Ireland as well. He's a, a bit of a cult villain in sporting circles over here. And equally, his, his first professional fight in November of 2019 against NRL legend Paul Gallen was a really creditable draw. I mean, Gallon was 9-0 and mm. with 5 KOs going into that bout. So when I met with Andy and Sonny, I, I wouldn't be afraid to say that there was an element of concern that they shared about taking on Barry Hall. I heard, I, I heard you read one of your listeners' texts calling Hall a donkey. It's probably a little bit unkind. Maybe Sonny Bill was just good enough <laughs> yeah. last night that he made him yeah. look like a donkey. Um, but it, it, was a, it was a very different type of performance to what I would have expected from Sonny Bill. I thought, based on what he had been saying about the fight and based on that sort of concern around it, he might be a little bit more cautious and ease his way into it. But Andy Lee at the moment yeah. is turning his heavyweights into killers. You've got Joey Parker uh, on the front foot mm. against Derek Chisora, dropping him multiple times. You've got Tyson Fury, who's suddenly become a, a bit of a puncher and almost a knockout artist in his own right. And now you've got Sonny Bill, who's uh, blowing guys away and around. It bodes pretty well. All right, all right. Let's, let's get this out of the way. We're, I'm just going off on topic here. You've brought it up. Joey Parker. Will Joey Parker fight Tyson Fury? I don't know. I think they're too friendly, aren't they, at this point? It, it, it would feel weird. Told I told you. Them, it would almost feel like... <laughs> I, in fairness, listen, I'm, I'm sure you can get him on the show. He might tell you otherwise, but I got the impression it would be like a brother fighting a brother. They're almost like the Klitschko's in a way, you know, um, and maybe they wouldn't necessarily like to... Uh, to pit their wits against each other. Who knows? I mean, if the money was right and if they yeah. felt they could have a bit of fun with it, why not? 
Okay, okay. We just had a little bit at the start of the show, me and Louis, him and what, and we were going off for about 10 minutes saying they would. I said they wouldn't. He said they would. So I just said, I just said that I, I think that they would, uh, exactly as Gavin put it, if the money was right, you'd never say never. And um, I think that's bang on. Anyway, okay. s- sidetrack, sidetrack. But Gavin, you're right. Sonny Bill, he was unbelievable last night. I thought the way he kind of bounced off the ropes, every time they got split up, he was just charging at him. Did you see some, some sort of confidence or some sort of aggression that Andy has been able to unlock in him? Mm. Hugely, yeah, hugely. Um, what was really fascinating for me watching them from, say, ringside when Sonny Bill was sparring an Irish heavyweight, uh, our top heavyweight at the moment, Niall Kennedy, who is a, a guarder or a policeman over here, but has had a really good professional career in his own right. Now, Niall at the time was just off the couch. He hadn't been boxing in nine, ten months. He hadn't been training, but he has a lot more boxing pedigree than Sonny Bill, right? And if I watched those four rounds and if I were scoring them, and bearing in mind it's only sparring, you're not really scoring them, you would say Niall probably edged it, like he just had that little bit more class about him. But what Andy was trying to impart in Sonny was almost, as much as the technical aspect of his game, was the body language, having the body language of a fighter. And and even if he wasn't feeling assured, looking assured, enough to put off your opponent from rushing in on you, and that was going back now to the end of January. And bearing, bearing in mind that they've worked together over the intervening weeks, I thought you looked or you saw last night an, ex, an extremely confident Sonny Bill Williams, far more confident than the fighter mm-hmm. I saw in the gym in Dublin all those weeks ago. So it does go to show when you've got an elite athlete who understands high performance training and preparation and you pair him with the right trainer, uh, massive steps can be taken, even in a sport as difficult as boxing. And as you say, Louis, he just looked like a man possessed in there last night, which is not the type of fighter that we've seen of Sonny Bill in his eight previous fights. Yeah, I love that. I love that. There's always questions with um, when Joey Parker, when he got a bit tired, he'd, he'd, his head would drop and, and things like that. But lately with Joey's last fight and then that fight, you could definitely see the body language and the mindset that these uh, fighters brought to to the ring, mate. Is there any way? Is there any way? Like, how far could Sonny go? Look, we've seen one fight, and, and Andy Lee come out and said he could actually shake up the heavyweight division if he puts in a two solid years. Can we can we take too much out of this? And how far could Sonny go in your in your eyes? I think there's a fascinating dichotomy between what Andy believes is possible for Sonny Bill and what Sonny Bill probably believes is possible for himself at the moment. I think Sonny Bill is looking at things a little bit more pragmatically. You heard him mention the fight with Paul Gallen in the post-fight interview, and the crowd was roused mm. a little bit by that. That's an option for him, and it might be a nice little stake into potentially more dangerous fights against, say, full-time career boxers. To answer your question as to how far I think he can go, like, it's, uh, do I think he can go on and become heavyweight champion of the world? No, and I'm aware that you guys are only waking up. I don't want to make you cranky or anything. But I do think he can yep. make steps into the division and actually carve a, a decent, legitimate boxing career for himself. And what I would say mm. about Andy Lee, when he is proclaiming Sonny as somebody who can shake up the division, I know Andy quite well. This is not a guy who, who wastes his time with fighters. Andy is a family man. He has kids at home. Uh, a wife that he adores, and he's not going to spend eight to ten weeks in a training camp with a guy who he doesn't believe can go further. And if you looked at Andy Lee's reaction to Sonny Bill's victory last night, and if you look at the work that they have put in together, Andy believes what he is saying. And to be honest with you, he's more qualified to answer the question than I am. So maybe you can take it at face value and we see what happens. 
Gavin, it's such a good point. And, and Andy actually came – look, Andy's been so good to us. He, t- he answers the phone, I'm sure he is to you. Like, as a journalist, he's the dream, really, isn't he? He's always so willing and he is so honest. And he, sa- he said that his wife said to him, you know, like, I will, you'll regret it if you don't go. Like, you, you need to see this through. He needs you. And it wasn't just about money, and you believe it when he says that. Is that the sort of guy he is and the sort of character he is? And, and, and you know, what is it about him that's resonating with these heavyweights? Where's the cut through coming from? I think there are probably two aspects to it. First and foremost, he is a legitimately good, fundamentally good person. And you mentioned there how he's a journalist's dream. He certainly has been. I've been a a sports journalist since, I don't know, 2015. I was lucky enough to cover the tail end of Andy's career. And I just remember him. I was doing a college dissertation or thesis on Irish professional boxing. I remember getting Andy's number off somebody. We vaguely knew each other. I asked him, could he take a phone call to do a quick interview for this dissertation? He replies to me, no, let's meet for coffee tomorrow. You know, I'll take you for lunch. He sits down with me for an hour and a half, gives me the best interview of my life. You know, that's kind of the guy he is. He'd go the extra step. And that was for a journalist, a a student journalist. So you can imagine the extent to which he will go the extra step for his fighters. And on the other side of it then is you have this pedigree in Andy having trained in the legendary Kronk gym in Detroit for so long under a legendary trainer in Emmanuel Stewart. Then after Stewart's untimely tragic death, he works with a really good operator in England, Adam Booth, who's very good at at getting inside the minds of his fighters and and almost bending them to his shape. So Andy has got this um, fundamental quality of a guy that I think fighters, not only heavyweights, gravitate towards, but also Mm. has the technical acumen to improve them as fighters. And... um, you know, one thing I would say as well in relation to the heavyweights, he is also the cousin of Tyson Fury, which probably helps him to begin with to, to get in the door <laughs> with some of these big names. And Tyson has recommended him to the likes of Parker. And through Parker, he meets Sonny Bill. So there's a, a bit of a chain effect to that as well. What was Andy like as a boxer himself, mate? And can you see him passing that knowledge to, to Sonny and, and particularly with Joe as well? Can you see him passing down his strengths and what he was so good at? What was he like as a, as a boxer himself, mate? He was a really classy boxer in his youth. He went to the 2004 Olympics for Ireland in Athens. He turned professional shortly afterwards in Detroit with Manny Stewart and was heralded as really one of the top prospects in world boxing. He was knocking guys out left, right, and center, and they were eye-catching, picturesque knockouts. And eventually he came unstuck at a quite formative stage of his career against a fighter uh, called Brian Vera, who stopped Andy on his feet. It was a massive shock, and it set back his confidence, as you'd understand, and also lowered his stock in the eyes of boxing consumers around the world. So it took him a while to get back around to that sort of fringe contention and then eventually fight for a world title. He loses to Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I don't think I'm libeling the guy at this point to say like, you know, if he took a urine test at all afterwards, it would have been luminous. Uh, I don't think there was drug testing. So it was a little bit of an asterisk next to that one. But he was, eventually he sort of, it was kind of a case of, at last, he got over the line in Vegas to win a world title. And what his strengths were were a nuclear right hook that got him out of trouble quite a lot but he was always a very cerebral Mm. boxer and what I mean by that is he wouldn't necessarily rush in actually the way some of his heavyweights are doing now he wasn't always the out and out aggressor he thought a lot about what he was doing he tried to get into a rhythm 
And what I find interesting about him as a trainer, when I was watching Sonny Bill even hit the heavy bag in, in the gym in Monkstown Boxing Club over here, I mentioned Andy, like, you know, he's a nice uh, right uppercut and nice left jab. And Andy made the point that even with a fighter who is at the early stages of his career like Sonny Bill, he's not necessarily going to try to transform him. It's more about working on what he's good at to begin with. And Sonny Bill did bring with him some decent fundamentals. Andy is excellent at fine-tuning those. And I think his real area of expertise is the mental side of the sport. He understands that and articulates it, more importantly, better than anybody really that I've ever met in boxing. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, we're, we're so proud. And we can see definitely the, the gains that him, and not only him, Joseph Parker is getting from being around Andy Lee and Tyson Fury, world-class training outfit and, and only reaping the rewards from that. Hey, quickly, before we let you go, Gavin, um, Irish rugby. Very, very impressive. Heading in the right direction as of late. The All Blacks are slipping to third in the world, so she's pretty tired down here, mate. We're not used to being that far down on the on the pecking order, but... Irish rugby, are you happy? Is everyone, all the supporters, happy with how the Irish rugby team has gone as of late? Well, firstly, Izzy, uh, can I just take the opportunity to thank you as a monster man for not joining Leinster in 2016. <laughs> oh, uh, you've haunted my dreams for long enough. I was so enough. close. I was you so make, close make, too, uh, mate. I know, I know. Uh, so you, you make your debut against Ireland in 2010, right? Obviously, the All Blacks win. You spank us in three yeah. tests in 2012. 60 zip in the last one. I think you score a try off of Sonny Bill Grubber in that game, if I'm not mistaken. You yes, kick a conversion. Yeah. You fast forward, we fast forward to 2016. We finally catch you guys on the hop, right? 111 years. Yeah. Ireland beat New Zealand for the first time ever. You're arrested for the game. Then you go to Dublin yeah. a couple of weeks later. You turn us over and you're starting again. <laughs> so maybe, uh, maybe they are... The curse of Izzy Dag. No, <laughs> exactly, the curse. I can't sleep at night, but uh, no, to answer your question very quickly, we're quietly, we're quietly happy, I think, with how things are going. Look, France won the Grand Slam. They looked magnificent. They looked magnificent against your boys as well in November, probably more impressively oh, than yeah. Ireland did. We know what's waiting for us in the long grass in July. Izzy, don't worry about that, but um, it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> Scrum is an issue. We have a few months to work that out, and we'll see you down there. Yes, beautiful man. You've got a brain and a memory. You just brought back some solid memories. That's what I used to tell everyone when I retired. And I was a bit a bit cocky, but I was like, I never lost to Ireland anyway. I was rested that game, so we never lost. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, it was um, tough battles, honestly. That Dublin game in 2016, that was probably one of my toughest games. We only just beat you, I think, by five points. And the Dublin crowd, yeah. they are one to be able to witness, mate. You've got the most passionate supporters uh, that you support your team and, and you get right behind them, mate. Uh, really appreciate you on our show. Thank you so much, Kevin. You're a legend. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Anytime. Let's talk in July. Absolutely. Yes. We'll get you on in July. <laughs> sure. I'm a bit nervous about that because once oh. Ireland got that first win, eh, they just knew. They grew that confidence. So, what a get, Louis. Awesome, brother. Gavin Casey, legend. He's a super talented journalist up there in the U- in the UK and, and mm. in Ireland. And I knew that he was loving it because he, he you know, like you let plugged into the boxing scene in Ireland. You go and watch Sonny Bill Williams spar. You see the, the lengths he goes to to make this work. Um, and I'm sure it was rewarding for everybody that put time and effort into SBW just to see him come out and put that performance up as he. Like, I'm sure for everybody, including mm. people like Gavin, it's like it's so rewarding just to watch him execute. I was, you must have mm. been proud of him. Like, you, you must be so proud of SBW. I'm so proud, bro. Honestly, like, you've 
rugby, you've got 15 other mates, you know, 14 other mates with you on that field. So you can actually, you know, like you can't hide, but there is actually time where you're away from the ball and you're not involved. Whereas in the boxing ring, mate, you, you're by yourself. You're on your own. There's nowhere to run. There's nowhere to hide. Mental toughness is right up there. Like the, <laughs> I've got so much admiration. I remember this story. We were over in Twickenham. We played Sharks over in Twickenham in 2011 for the Crusaders. And Sonny, we're at the gym, and there was a boxing ring there. And he's, Sonny's like, come on, bro, jump in, jump in. I was like, oh, no, nah, I don't want to. But anyway, can't look like a, you know, can't look soft here. Get in the ring. And I'm standing there next to Sonny. And we're just shadow boxing. And he's like, ah, you know, coming at me. And I'm just like, wow, this is like, you know, I don't mind going for one outs on the street, but like in there when it's all te- technical <laughs> and everything's all going, I'm standing there going, man, this is actually quite scary. <laughs> like he's just sitting there and he's bang, bang. He's tapping my nose, tapping my ears. And I'm just like, ooh. So after that, mate, honestly, I just got so much admiration for him and just really, really proud to see uh, him dedicate himself to the sport of boxing and not, not go out there and make a fool of himself, just actually do it really well. That's so. Good. You're more of that Jorge Masvidal sort of street fight kind of. Um, you know, don't see me on, see me on the streets of Hawks Bay, bro, but not in the ring and, and talking. Of, I love it. Is he 21 and a bit past seven o'clock? How far can Sonny Boy Williams go? How far can he go? Where is the ceiling for him? Would you go down the celebrity boxing route with with if you were Sonny Boy Williams, or would you really try and make a fist at this and add to your legacy as one of the greatest sports people of all time? Double eight, double three, or oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. I want to take your calls here. I want you to tell me how big his ceiling is. Where can he get to? All right, we'll be back after this to talk more about it. Maybe some Ash Barty too. It's 22 minutes past seven here with the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. All righty, 27 past seven. Fantastic interview with Gavin Casey. If you missed that, we talked all things boxing and a bit of uh, rugby trivia with Gavin out of Ireland. So head to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on our podcast to tune back in. Here's a message from Adam Izzy, and you'll love this. You will love this. No chance Joe fights Tyson. As as he said, Tyson's got like three fights left before he goes for big money against the UFC. Champ next for Sonny? Question mark. Would love to see him bash Gallon up and then go after Hooney. Yeah, nice. There you go. I, that's why I said to you, I said, get Adam on. Get Adam because he's a really passionate fighter. You know, he loves his fighting game. He knows it. He's very knowledgeable. And, um, yeah, that's a great message. Uh, look, Louis, you never say never. I'm not, you know, but I just, the, the things that I just kind of looked at, he doesn't have too long in, in the fighting game. I feel Tyson Fury. I, he's a real family man. He's got about 100 kids. And I think he wants to, you know, spend some time with them as well. And uh, his body's been through the ringer. But great, great comments there. So, yeah, he wants them to see him fight Paul Gallon. Yeah, I mean, mm. and, and it makes sense. You know, Paul Gallon, you'd have to assume, would put up more of a fight than Barry Hall did last night. Barry Hall, look, yeah, he ba- Barry loved the. He, he was saying that he loved that he came in so light. But you have to wonder, mm. once he actually felt Sonny's power, it kind of like really shocked him. And it was over so fast. Mm. Like, you know, I thought I was watching the highlights this morning. It was actually a 90 second fight. So you'd have to assume that Paul Gallon would be tougher for Sonny Bill. So it could be a good leapfrog. Like, it could be a good stepping stone fight. You know what I mean? Hmm. I, I 100% can see that. But I can also, like, honestly, talk, like, the talk that's coming out of Kevin Mialamu is he is very, very good. Imagine those two little bulldogs going at it. Gallon Mialamu. I can picture that, headlining that. That would be so much interest in that kind of fight. Um, but that's obviously Gallon's fought many, many times. Mialamu's just at the start of his fighting career. But, yeah, it be interesting to see what unfolds over the next couple of, um, couple of weeks, mate. But, um, yeah, where does Sonny go now? 
Give us a text, double eight, double three. Where does Sonny go now? Where would you like to see him head down the final line? Gallon, Justice Hooney, whatever. Let us know on double eight, double three. Here's a here's a great text from Michael. Uh, good morning. The government decision to put no limits on outdoor gatherings from midnight Friday. Yes, boy. Yeah, yes, boy. Is he? This is huge. The Warriors <laughs> are coming home. the The Phoenix will be able to come home. Uh, Super Rugby. Uh, I don't know if we've worked out whether Forsyth Bar is an indoor or outdoor stadium yet, but you know we sh- <laughs> we should be able to get some bigger crowds. This is so good, isn't it? It's so good, so good. I feel for the netball girls, and I'm starting to think maybe the netball girls just open up the exit doors, you know, open up the exit doors, yeah. get some air flowing through it, because that's pretty much what the, the um, Dunedin Stadium, Foresight Bar, is. They've just got exits down the end that, that gets the air flow, flow through, so something like that could work. But, no, nah, it's great news, mate. Great to have sport back in, 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 and the crowds back in the stands. You've got Crusaders Chiefs in Hamilton. There is no bigger place to play when, you, when you're uh, Crusaders – and Chiefs supporter is a tough place to go play. That is going to be fantastic. I I just feel, I feel for Mount Smart. I feel for Moana Pacifica. I just don't understand why they go at 11.59 on Friday, you know? Like, it's done now. You've made the announcement. Why don't we just do it right now so we can get the game at Mount Smart, get some fans and supporters back into Mount Smart for Moana Pacifica on Friday night to take on uh, on the Hurricanes. Because get this, mate. Every home game, they are projected to lose $500,000, oh, the home crowds, sickening. if they don't have any crowds. So, Moana Pacifica have done it pretty tough. It would be happy to see them have crowds. Yeah, sickening, man. And it, you're right, they're bleeding out. They would, they, they desperately need it. Uh, arbitrary lines and COVID, I think we've just learnt to just stop asking too many questions, Daggy. It's just too hard to work out. Yeah. 29 away from 8. I'll give you the Crusaders starting forward pack after this um, because that game against the Chiefs, it's fair to say I'm concerned. We'll get some sports headlines as well. Mark <laughs> Purden, not far away. Baznesi for breakfast. You on double eight double three or the Kenata phone line 0800 150 811. Let us know how stoked you are that we'll be able to be back in our stadiums. Here's Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. SNZ 26 and a half away from 8am. Stay with us throughout the morning all the way up until 8am, uh, then 9am, of course. Big show coming. Jim Kay's in the next hour. Great to catch up with our man Gav out of Ireland, an exceptional boxing journalist, and he gave us a great understanding of Andy Lee's mental fortitude. Andy is excellent at fine-tuning those, and I think his real area of expertise is the mental side of the sport. He understands that and articulates it, more importantly, better than anybody, really, that I've ever met in boxing. Yeah, well, he connected with Sonny Bill Williams and then Sonny Bill Williams connected with Barry Hall's chin. Good night, Bears. Not our Bears, of course. Um, as you mentioned, it, we're thinking of the East Coast at the moment. Ty Rafferty is being pounded by gnarly weather. Mm. Um, I hope you're staying safe and as dry as possible. It's not looking great. How about this, though? We found one local that, well, saw the positive side of it yesterday. Going absolutely nowhere today, fan fans. Gonna go home, chuck a boil up on, light the fire, and watch a movie. (laughs) Watch a movie. I wonder what you're watching. Uh, Send us a message. (laughs) What would you be watching if you were stuck there? All seriousness, stay safe. And Izzy, I told you I'd give the the Crusaders side because um, we're playing the Chiefs this weekend. I say we because you and I are... 
um, of course, obviously Crusaders. You're a Crusader, <laughs> and I'm a Crusaders fan. Um, this is what I'm worried about, mate. This is the Ford pack. I'll go in reverse order. So Cullen Grace today, we've got Tom Christie, Ethan Blackadder, strong. Quinton Strange, Scott Barrett, mm. nice in the second row. Where I'm a little bit worried, and I just don't know if our, our scrum has been as dominant as it has been in recent years, the front row is a little bit light. Oli Jaeger, Brody McAllister, and Finlay Brewis. And I know the Chiefs yeah. will be looking at that and going, let's do some damage. Yeah, for sure, mate. Look, honestly, uh, uh, the front row has, has been with the, the hallmark of where the Crusaders have always been strong. You spoke about it the last couple of weeks when we had the White Crockett's coming off the bench. You had a Tim Perry, and he's someone that we spoke about, um, I wanted to talk about. He retired really early, I feel. Um, before we seen the best one, I think he had played two or three tests. He had a lot of injuries, but we had the, the, the strength to come off the bench to keep those those front row stocks strong. At the moment, we've got a couple of young guys. I'm, I'll, I've been very impressed with that. Tamaiti Williams, I think he's got a big, big future. We're losing Joe Moody. He's obviously out. We've got Sam Whitelock out, so big, lots of experience here. We've got Finlay Brewers, young uh, you know, young kind of guy, hasn't, haven't really seen too much uh, of him, and, and this is really going to test him. Then you've got Fletcher Noel, who isn't in the squad um, this weekend, but he's someone that I've had big raps on, but haven't seen the best of him as of late. So look, there is a lot of concerns up there, Louis. There is a lot of concerns, but knowing Jace Ryan, and, and Jace Ryan is no mug, we know him, he's a friend of the show, he'll be doing everything possible to motivate these guys, to give them the right... Um, uh, tools to go in into Saturday, but mate, honestly, I've played there many times. It is hard. It is a hard, hard place. When you got cowbells, I know Brett coming out showed he texted me <laughs> and he was saying something about, well, I was one of those cowbells in this stands, you know, abusing you, dagger, and things like that. It's a tough place to play, mate. So they're going to have their work cut out going against the Chiefs. It is a cauldron. And, you know, it's a, it's actually an amazing stadium because it's so low. It's kind of like the perfect version of what the um, the Scaffold Stadium could have been. It's low. It's the perfect oblong. It's, um, it's a really... It's that bank. Yeah. The bank here at the end behind the post, mate. When we're up against it, we've got our heads, and then they're just yelling <laughs> abuse at us. It's like, come on, mate. And then you've got to try and tackle Sonny Bill Williams, who's just <laughs> running over everyone. Will Jordan, uh, Shea Fiaki, Lester Fanganuku, uh, David Harvey, Lee George Bridge, Richie Monga, Bruin Hall, uh, round out the starting back line Cody Taylor um, on the bench so he will add some experience mm. hey Izzy uh, morning's flying by one thing I promised that we'd do before we we, we got to the race next uh, month is I said we'd catch up with Mark Purden because self-assured is obviously mm. our rep in the race Mark Purden being the GOAT um, uh, harness racing trainer and he's also a fantastic driver and he also has a dollar thirty favourite in tomorrow night's derby so we've tracked down Mark Purden he's going to come on and let us know how self-assured is travelling and if you've got any other questions for Mark Purden send them through right now he is the doyen of all things harness racing and we're going to catch up with him after this it's 22 minutes away from 8 great to have your company on Baz and Izzy for breakfast Baz in India Daggy on fire and we'll be back after this yeah, you certainly are. 17 minutes away from 8am. It's a pleasure to have your company this morning. We are on the 24th. It's a, a wet old Thursday for a lot of people. And again, just thinking of you on the East Coast, hopefully you're keeping as dry as possible. All right, well, he's trained champions in every decade. He knows exactly what it takes to win the big races. And this week, he's got one of the hottest derby favourites 
that we've seen. Mark Purden is the master harness racing trainer, and Akuta is your dollar forty forty favourite or thereabout for tomorrow night's NZ Derby at Alex Park. He also trains self assured too, so we know SENZ is in the perfect hands for our slot in the race. He's on the line now with us. Morning, Mark. How you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah, good morning. Great, great to have you on the show, mate. It's um. You're a, you're an absolute fan favourite. Is there anything we can do for you? Can we drop you off a McCafe coffee or anything? Just just we want to make sure that you, you, you're doing as well as you can you can be before the race. I'm all good, but right as we speak, I'm uh, in the coffee club. Oh, <laughs> perfect, <laughs> perfect, mate. Well, yeah. you you need your caffeine because you you're probably the hardest working man in racing, mate. You've got a big operation, but um. Actually, let's let's start with the the size of your operation. How many horses do you have in training? Because it's not just the Akutas and the Self Assureds, the stars that you're looking after. You you run a you run a pretty impressive network. Yes, yeah. Probably over the last twelve months, we've we've sort of cut down on numbers a little bit, but we we average around about forty in the barn at one time. Beautiful. 40 in the barn at one time, so that's pretty busy uh, going. Mark Purden, Izzy Dag here, mate. Great to have you on the show. We've got a text message here, mate, and, and, and Louie just talked about it. Self-assured, we're giving away 0.5% of a share for the race, and if it gets up, there'll be a couple of people that'll be charging. I think it's about two grand each. About 10 of them are going to get uh, something along those lines, mate. So self-assured, breakfast Good. on race day. What's it going to have? What's it going to have for breakfast? Oh, there's a pretty mixed feed. It's got oats and uh, steamed barley and uh, maize, all the goodies that horses like anyway. So he gets a good breakfast. He gets well looked after. <laughs> oh, beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Well, tell us about self Assured. He's been tracking one its last start, so it's, it's heading in the right direction, mate. We had Mick Guerin on yesterday, and he spoke about the threats from Australia. They put a lot of speed on at the start. Um, have you thought about how you're going to counter that when the, when the Australians do get out and they step really well from, from the standing start, uh, how are you going to be able to counter that? Well, a lot's going to come down to the draw uh, first mm. and foremost probably yeah. because, um, you know, even we've got uh, South Coast Darden who's very fast off the arm as well. So he's a local mm. here and, um, you know, if he draws well, well he, he would take a lot of beating too if he made the front. So, uh, yeah. yeah, not just the Aussies. What do you think um, Self Assured's biggest asset is, Mark? You know this horse so well. What, like, what is it about him? Is it his temperament? Is it his, I guess, uh, fortitude? Is it his, his just size and ability? What is it? Yeah, well, he, he has got a great temperament. He, he's not a big horse. Um, his best at- attribute on the racetrack is his speed. And uh, as probably if you saw last start, you know, he was he was... It, was, it wasn't a big field, but it was back over a short distance and to pick them up in the last 300 metres from where he was in a short distance race, it, was, it just shows you how much speed he has got. Absolutely. And, and he, you know, so this, this concept of the race over the distance is not necessarily a staying contest. Are you loving the race and what you're seeing about it, the slot concept? Is it, I mean, you've seen a lot in harness racing, Mark, not to call you old, but you've, you've seen a lot of different stuff come and go. Yeah. Is this something that excites you? Yes. Well, it, it, you know, it's, it's first, first of this kind, having this kind of race here in New Zealand and uh, first for harness racing. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of hype that's that's building up to it, and um, yeah, a lot of positive positive feedback, and 
yeah, it's 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 gaining momentum and uh, it's great for the sport. Yeah, we love it here. We, we're all up and about. I'm just talking with Louie at the moment to see if I can potentially go. He, I've said yes, but I haven't asked the wife, mate, and we know what the wife says. She's got the last laugh, so hopefully I can get along and, and celebrate with you and self-assured winning the race, mate. But tomorrow night, you got a big night ahead of you. you got Akuta in the di- and the Group 1 Woodland stud, mate. $1.40 favourite. Everything's tracking in the right direction for that race, mate. Yes, everything's tracking in the right direction. He won the prelude last week stylishly, and um, his training's been very good this week. So, yeah, I don't think he could be in a better place. What? What? Why? Why is he a freak, Mark? Like, come on, come on, Mark. Tell us what is it about him? Because he's just—he's just something different to watch when he can pick them up and drop them like he can. What's different about this guy? Yes, well. I think with all great horses, they just they just tick all the boxes. They've got the temperament, they've got the gait, they've got the will to win, um, they've got the ability to to be able to make probably three moves in a race, and you know they're just gifted athletes really. So you know he just he just ticks all the boxes of all the attributes you need to make a great horse. And uh, you know as I say, he's got a um, you can make a move with him and, the, and he can sit outside them and then take nothing out of himself, and that's a, that's a big plus in big races over distance. Yeah. Well, take uh, take your humble hat off, Mark, here, yeah, put it on the couch right next to you and, and say, because there is a such thing. When James McDonald is racing, I'm like, well, that's that horse is not too great, but it's got a good chance of winning. When Mark Perlin's on a horse... And he's driving someone that is, you know, middle of the middle of the pack, and it gets up the Mark Purden effect. What makes you such a great driver, my friend? <laughs> <laughs> Have you asked James McDonald that question? Yeah, I did, and he said, "Oh, I'm just the man, and that's not what I'm doing." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, maybe I've been out there long enough. But, um, you know, you know, you know the right things to do, but uh, yeah, so, uh, no chance, yeah, is he? Just about. You've got, <laughs> no, you've got just, me paid, mate. Got you've know. got me paid a few times. That's why I'm like thankful. Thank you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, 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 yeah. no worries, Mark. It's uh, as he's always got to try and pump your tires up, and uh, it's great to have you on the show. And we couldn't be more stoked that you, you know, you've got you're in charge of our self-assured dream. We're absolutely loving being a part of it, and and you're right about the hype and that sort of thing. So if anything, you know what Dave and the crew have done at Cambridge Raceway, they're showing new, they're inviting new people into the sport that you love so much, which I'm sure you're grateful for. So um, it's an exciting time. Good luck for tomorrow night. Is there anything we can be backing? out of your runners in the next couple of days? Is there one you can leave us with? <laughs> well, nothing that'll make you rich, but uh, I think all our team's pretty well. The two-year-old, he's having his true second fantasy. start, but it was a style. True fantasy's drawn one, and you know she looks the best filly. Um, it just depends if she can hold the lead early, I, I think. Uh, she wouldn't want to be back on the marker lines, but uh, Beckham was the two-year-old I was referring to. He's got the advantage in the draws this week, so he should be, should be hard to beat. Outstanding. Beckham, beautiful stuff, Mark. Good luck, and we'll catch up again before the race. Thanks, All Mark. All right, guys. See ya. Bye. <laughs> there you go, Mark Ferdinand. He is. He's the goat in the harness, is he? You had to try it on. <laughs>
<laughs> Why not just try to get him to have a laugh and, and you know, just get him giggling and nearly got there. He didn't know really how to take it. What did J Max say? Mate, he was <laughs> cocky ass. <laughs> have the best in the world. Come see me. <laughs> oh, classic. Oh. He, is, he is a very humble man. He's a good man. Mark Ferdinand, it's a pleasure to have him involved with Self Assured and great to catch up with him today. Uh, you can back. You can back Beckham, you can back Self Assured, you can back uh, Akuta with a lot of confidence after speaking to Mark. All right, after this, Izzy, we're taking a trip to the farm. We're going to the estate and we're going to work out what's going on. Oh, mate. Country Clueless, coming right up on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Baz and Izzy are Country Clueless. Despite the best efforts of HydroFlow, your plumbing, rural and irrigation product supplier. Well, <clears throat> funny Hydro, HydroFlow are on this little wee part of our show because this involves irrigation and water. This little moment I've had at home. So yesterday the wife left and she left me a little list and one of the lists was go tighten the toilet seats. So the toilet seats get loose, so I've got to go around and tighten them all. Anyway, I start tightening them all, get the get the uh, screwdriver out, I go through and I start tying them for and I get to the last one in the pool house and that is the loosest of them all, obviously not because I'm sitting on them every single morning at about 7.30, they just got loose over time. Uh, So anyway, I've tightened it up, I start tightening it away and I get it really tight and I go wash my hands and I turn the tap on, I'm like, not much water here, so it's dripping out and I was like, oh no, we've run out of water. So I tighten it back up, go outside and I start walking around the house trying to find What's happened? Is there any taps on? Where have these kids left a tap on? I go around to my Daisy's uh, water plants, where she waters her plants, and we can't see it from the house, so we wouldn't know if it was on. Anyway, the tap's on. I look into the into the greenhouse shed, uh, and there's, it's a big puddle. So the tap's been going for about, I don't know, it must have been going for about 30,000 litres. That's how much water is in our tank. If I go over the tank, it's empty. I'm like, oh no, I've got to fill up this tank. So I go behind the shed. We've got this big hose that, that, that irrigates our house, and it's got it's a big hose. Anyway, I go up to, to the tank, I walk up, and I lift this hose up, and I'm like, just get it up there, and I go get the ladder, and I put the ladder next to this tank, and I'm like, yes, yeah, sweet ass, and I start shaking the ladder. I'm like, oh, it's a bit unstable here. But anyway, I'll give it a go. I get up. I'm standing on top of the ladder, and I'm just about to put in the hole. You know, unscrew the lid, put in the hole, and I'm like, here we go, boys. Turn on this hose. And if you've ever fired a fire hose, the power that comes out of those seats, <laughs> oh, no. it's pretty hard. So I'm like, bang! And this hose just goes, woof! And I'm just like, oh, no! And it just smokes me about five metres off this ladder, and I'm just going down head first. I'm like, oh, here we go. Bang! Straight into the garage, into the shed. My head knocks the water tank. And I'm sitting there, and then this, this fire hose is just going up in the air. And I'm like, whoa, what's happening? So I have to turn this hose off, look at my hand. I've cut my hand. I've cut my knees. And then I just start cussing. <laughs> I start spraying the kids. It's all the kids' fault. Why did I move to a lifestyle block? I hate this life sentence block. So there you go, Louie. I knocked myself out trying to fill up the hose. Oh, I'm going to eat a McCafe right now. Mm, oh no. I'm over it. Anyway, here's Adel Health and News for Kibana. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. Breakfast on SENZ.
Good morning, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SCNZ Thursday the 24th of March and well that was Country Clueless and that was brought to you by Hydroflow have been supplying New Zealand made apex and anchor trough valves and fittings for over 25 years Thank you Hydroflow for, well, just supplying the laughs of the morning all laughs are on Izzy Oh, what an idiot. Oh, no, no. That could have turned a lot worse than it was. Um, we've got a sore hand, but that's all right. It was good crack and good funny. I, I texted Louis straight away. I said, ah, oh, we've got a country clear this thing for tomorrow, mate. Get it on the show. And, yeah, hope you had a little bit of a giggle on, on Izzy. Um, coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk to Tom Abercrombie for our Court Kings catch-up. Great to chat to him. They are taking on the Brisbane Bullets later on tonight. They've had a tough couple of weeks. They've lost to the Wildcats twice and uh, hopefully they can get back on the horse. He's back playing after a long stint out of the game. Um, he's trying to find some form with the uh, New Zealand Breakers. Uh, hopefully they can rediscover that and get some wins on the board. I've got a few texts here before we get off to our next guest. If Daisy has the last laugh, does that mean Arlo's playing with Fred Whitelock? That is from Kieran. No, geez, no. I said that yesterday. He's not playing with Fred Whitelock. He's playing in the opposition because he's going to snap little Freddie in half when they play each other. Can't wait for that little matchup. And then we've got another one from Brett. Dagger, are you working in H-Town Saturday night? I won't boo you, Neff. I'll be up and about at footy. I'll shout you a McCafe if you're, if you're up. And no way are you getting that underdog tag, Lewis. That team is still stacked. Sweep the leg, mana. That is from Uncle Brett. I am there, Brettie. I'll be there at the game, bro. So make sure you come say g'day. I'd love to love to meet you and have a little laugh. And yeah, I'll love a little McCafe. So make sure you bring that along. Love you, brother. Perfect, perfect. Anyway, we're going to get into some rugby chat. Despite what Kempi will try and tell you, rugby is our national game. And at the moment, it is in a very interesting spot. Super Rugby Pacific has struggled for the traction under COVID circumstances. Referee is back back heavily in the spotlight up in the north, while France and Ireland have stamped themselves as favourites for next year's World Cup, while we are now ranked third, third, I can't believe that, in the world. So what on earth is going on with our sport, and what can we do about it? Jim Kays is all things code. He loves the sport and getting into the details of it, and he's with us now to solve some problems. Morning, Jim. Morning, Izzy. How are you, my friend? Great to have you on the show. You heard that. Are we in panic stations already, or are we just a bit harsh? Uh, no, I think there's some genuine concerns around the game. Um, mm. Yeah, where do you start? You know, uh, it was interesting. I was, I was listening to a couple of guys talk about school rugby the other day and, and how the numbers are dropping mm. away. We know the numbers have dropped away in, in the clubs. Uh, and, you know, if you talked about uh, Super Rugby Pacific and... For no fault of anyone's, you know, COVID has interfered and there's just been no momentum, yep. has there? There's been no structure to it, no momentum, nothing to get it behind if you're, if you're a fan. And I think overall that means that there's a lot of people who are just disengaged from rugby um, as players, as fans, and, 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 you know, that's a real concern. I, I, think, I think there's some genuine concerns about our game. and It is still, uh, Tony Kemp, it is still the national sport, but... <laughs> I think it's precarious, Israel. I, th- I think that, you know, if we're not mm. careful, um, boys in particular are not playing the game. The, the numbers are good with the with the girls coming through the schools. Yeah. So the woman's side of the game is very strong. But the boys' male side of the game, it's absolutely struggling. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see what Mark Robinson and, and the New Zealand rugby are trying to do about it. 
what what do you feel why is it is it struggling is it a the style of footy we're actually playing is it the refereeing is it the safety factors that a lot of parents are pulling their kids out because of concussions and safety measures within high school like what what is the underlying factor you feel why our national sport the all blacks brand is not attracting the numbers that it used to I think at a, at, a, at a lower level, at the grassroots level, as, as the cliche goes, what you've said is, is mm. absolutely accurate. Um, I, I would add to that uh, changing work lives for people uh, and also the variety of sports that young fellas can do nowadays. You know, when I was a kid, you pretty much just played rugby uh, or, or football. Yeah. Now there's a whole heap of stuff that people can do uh, in a sporting sense. I think also... Um, the game is extremely has become uh, very gladiatorial. It's more a, a collision sport than a contact sport, and I think that's a significant mm. difference. You know, when it was a contact sport, um, it was more of a game for all sizes. And I think part of the problem is now you've, you've you know, you've got to be a hundred kegs, you've got to be stripped, you've got to be all those sorts of things that we see yeah. at an All Blacks level. So if you're a young fella who's a little bit skinny, a little bit pudgy, a little bit short, a little bit tall and, and, and bean, bean polish, is the game still a game for you, you know? Um, mm. And then it's just, you've got to be near your fans, I always think, and, and there's a disconnect between the young guys coming through and the players who are playing the game at the at the highest level, so that they really get to see their stars. It used to be a very uh, sport where you could um, be around some of your heroes all of the time, and I and I think that's that sort of disappeared as well. But overwhelmingly, mate, the last three years has been out of everybody's control. So you've just seen COVID yeah. rip through the game. We haven't been able to have fans at the at the grounds, and that's had a massive, massive impact on the NPC and on um, Super Rugby and on the All Blacks. So hopefully, if we get back to a little bit of normality around sport, then things can start to flow again. But even before COVID, the number of boys playing the game was falling away, and the numbers were propped up by the girls who had taken up the game. So somehow we've got to get boys back into playing the game of rugby. Uh, we've got Jim Kays on the line here. Double eight, double three. if you've got a question for Jim. Or, or let us know, how engaged are you with the sport at the moment? How engaged are you with our national game, rugby? Jim, Louis, Louis here, mate. I, I'm wondering, everything you say resonates with me, but what's concerning is I feel like there is a few of us and, and lots of people actually about five years ago asking these questions, which I wonder if we were probably too insular at the time as a game or as a the body looking after the game and didn't quite acknowledge them. And now maybe we're starting to have these conversations. So first we need a solution, but then are we going to go through a bit of a down period while we actually try and re-engage? And are we actually going to see like a period that could take four, five, six years here before these solutions, if we find them, start coming into effect? Yeah, look, it might take it might take that time. Uh, and you're right, this has been talked about for a very long time. I've been covering the game for a long time and this sort of stuff has been talked about for a long time. There are, I think, some simple solutions. Why is rugby always played on a Saturday? Uh, if I, my daughters played netball, their games were Tuesdays and Thursdays. For school sport, why don't we play it during the week when it's more when it's easier? If it's a rural school, why don't they play during the day on a, on a Tuesday or Thursday or, or whatever day during the week when, when you've got those kids already at school and you're not having to bring them back to, to somewhere from a farm that might be an hour away? Um, and within the city, 
we all know how hard it is to get around Auckland uh, at peak hour. So why not play some of those sports during the week when it's easier to get, you know, you've already got them all together. Why, why is rugby not played straight after school on a Wednesday? You know, everybody's already at school. It's a simple thing to do. That's what a lot of other sports do. I've watched my ne- my nephew play football after school on a, on a, on a midweek. So not everything has to revolve around the traditional Saturday. Um, mm. That would be a really, really simple way uh, to get kids to play. What about a better connection between club and school? They used to, you know, so that um, you make sure that every team is full. You know, we, we seem to have a little bit still of a competition between clubs which try to field under-15, under-17, under-19 teams and schools which are obviously fielding, uh, you know, similar sorts of age-grade guys. So why why not have just one competition? Maybe maybe we need to have clubs that look after schools within the area. Uh, just little things like that, I think, would, would go a long way to, to solving these problems. And, and maybe looking at the type of game that's played at school. It doesn't need to be the collision sport that we see at a higher level because that is definitely putting some people off. You know, we know that everybody grows at different rates. Um, I was a skinny little fella right up until about seventh form. Actually, I was a skinny little fella right up until about senior rugby. Now I wish I was a skinny little fella again. Um, but, you know, you, you've got to cater to the, to the different people and the different sizes. Uh, so all, all sorts yeah. of things like that. But it's a definite issue. You know, I know that there are clubs that used to field 11 senior teams that now field maybe one or two. So it is an issue. The rugby union needs to address it, and they need to think outside the square and be a little bit more more flexible, uh, perhaps in the staging of games and when those games are going to be played. I love it, love it. Love it, Jim. Oh, you're very, very passionate. You've hit the nail on the head right there. And then another topic, mate, that very people are very, very passionate about is is the current game and how it's been refed and the rules. We've got a text message here. It's boring. There is too many rules. Do you feel like the way the game's been refed at the moment, the interpretation of all the laws, like the refs are being told to ref a certain way, so they're actually losing their instinctual fa- um, way of seeing how games should be played. Do you feel like refs? Are being refed too much? Maybe referees are certainly under pressure to referee mm. the way that World Rugby wants them to referee, so they get to the World Cup. And just like a player, the referee wants to get to the World yeah. Cup. So yeah, look, I think that mm. there needs to be some. You need to have a look at that. But I tell you what, I get a bit fed up with the poor old referee copping it all the time because I go back to players yeah, yeah. and coaches, and players we and need coaches them in the can game. influence. Absolutely. And if you coach to tackle high, if you coach to tackle around the around the nipple line, your margin for error is very, very low. So your ability to slip up from there is very, very low. If you coach to, to fly in at rucks, to take people out and around the side of rucks, to do all of those sorts of things, then you're opening yourself up for the referee to blow the whistle. So it has to be a three-way thing, doesn't it, fellas? You know, you've yeah. got the referee, yes, mm. but players need to take responsibility for not ballsing up the game by continuing to, to give away penalties. And coaches need to coach that way. On that note, here's something for you to think about as a wonderful fullback. If you got beaten by a guy, let's say that mm. it doesn't happen very often, is it? It's okay. Let's say when <laughs> it comes to you, the one that steps you, right? Yep. You don't yep. get penalised. You don't get penalised, do you? You've been beaten by a player and you don't get penalised. Mm. If we've got a scrum mm. and one prop absolutely murders the other prop, it becomes a penalty. 
Why is that? Mm. Yeah. Why is it that we penalise um, for being beaten by the opponent, but we don't penalise anyone else in, in, a, in a game of rugby for being beaten by their opponent? If we've got a line-out and Sam Whitelock pinches the ball off the opposition guy, that's not a penalty. It just baffles me that yeah. we have another little rule in there that slows the game down, you know? Yeah. Just things like and that. And that is the I question too, it, Ace. Slowing the game down is, is a big issue at the moment. And, and that's no their one, way of trying to speed no it up, which one, is not. Mm. No one pays to watch scrums being reset, for God's sake, you know? <laughs> no. I, mean, I hate to say this because JK will hear me say this and, and he'll, he'll go on about it, but we actually pay to watch... We pay to watch you glory boys score dazzling tries. That's what people go along to watch, you know? <laughs> and you, Even better yeah. if you beat your man, look inside, find a loose forward, pass to the loose forward, that's, that's the ultimate <laughs> try. But, you know, scrums, resets, it's not why people pay to watch the game. So, that's, you know, they need to – I know they've grappled with it for a long time. But here's another question for you. Why is the scrum such a vehicle of domination? Why can't the scrum just be another way to restart the game? It's a pissing contest between guys that weigh 140 kgs. Why not have it just as <laughs> oh, another way to restart Jim, the game? Jim, Jim, you're in dangerous territory now because now Tony Kemp's saying, told you we should just all be playing rugby league. And, and he's... <laughs> no, 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 no. no. I, don't want, I don't want that mess where they just fall in. But maybe you, maybe you take a little bit of the, of the confrontational nature out of the scrum and say, hey, we, we need to get the game going again. It doesn't need to be this pissing contest between eight behemoths. Jim, you know? Jim, no, you make a great point. Now, I know you're passionate about this. We, we've talked a lot about the North this week and Six Nations, and especially down the, the point into that competition, how they managed to get flowing rugby and a lot of it down to France and just their magnificent game plan and attitude towards the game at the moment. But look, there's a lot to worry about as far as a performance level coming out of there compared to the All Blacks and maybe next year's World Cup. I know Kieran Crowley triggered some people this week saying that we're arrogant and we probably... Right, right. And you, you and I agree. I don't think we're arrogant. I think we know exactly how big the mountain is to climb for the All Blacks. Can you just explain that a bit more? Yeah, I don't think the I think the All Black fan was arrogant, absolutely. But I think that arrogance has been knocked out of them in the last couple of years. Um, mm. Yeah, look, France are deserved favourites. They've played wonderful rugby, and they've got a, a young or a team that includes some some young guys like Dupont and Intermac who came through that under twenty program where they won back to back world titles. So absolutely, they are a, a fantastic team. They've got a big forward pack. They've got a mobile and fit forward pack, and I think that's probably the concern for me. There's nothing at all wrong with, with uh, the All Blacks team from 6 back to 15. In fact, there's really nothing wrong with them in the tight five. But we just, the All Blacks just seem to have lost. They, 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 we used to say that the All Blacks were tight five, were fitter and faster and more skillful than anyone else. And I don't think that's the mm. case anymore. And that's the area for concern. I don't know if they've gone backwards, but they haven't gone forward far enough. So if you look at the Irish and the and the French type fives, you'd have to say that they have an edge over a significant edge over the All Blacks at the moment. But man, the World Cup's 18 months away. A lot of stuff can happen between now and the World Cup. Um, so I wouldn't be getting. I'm not too concerned at this stage, but certainly it, mm. the pressure is going to be on Ian Foster and his coaches. I think there's huge question marks around them still. Uh, I'm not convinced that they are good enough to take the All Blacks through to winning the World Cup. I, I would have preferred to see Razor in there with someone, some of, some other people. But that's who we've got. Um, and really, mm. the asset has to go on the tight five. 
the rest of that All Blacks team, you've got to say, they match up all over the place. But a question for Israel, who's your second five? Yep. It's been a revolving door since the wonderful Ma'anonu retired. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Roger Tui versus Sheck. Uh, but who who is the second five for the All Blacks? Because I think that's a big part of part of their problem. They haven't had a second five that's been able to bail the forwards out and get over the advantage line and provide another platform for them. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know who that second five is, but that's a big question. Yeah. It's a big, big, big question. And look, that David Harvey, he is a different 12 compared to the 12s that we've had to be able to get you over the advantage. You're not going to get David Harvey running straight and hard and strong and getting your game line. He's a different style of 12. Whether Roger Tuivasa can do that with his amazing footwork, from what I've seen, I've, I've had a lot of, um, seen a lot of positives for him, particularly shifting in there. Wherever they play Rico, that is the question. Can he go to centre, mm. ALB moving into 12? Look, they've got, they got options there, but it's what kind of 12 that they're after. We're not going to have that Nani Laomapi. We're not going to have that Ma'anonu who can get you gain line. It's trying to evolve our 12 into a 12 that can play his style of rugby. That is the question. Jim Cage, we're going to have to let you go, mate. Uh, we really appreciate you on our show. Um, you're very passionate, very detailed, as always, and you've got the text machine flying, so we'll get those covered <laughs> very, very shortly, Jim, but appreciate you on the show, mate. As always, Cheers, thank Jim. you very much. No worries. Thanks, guys. See you, fellas. Bang. Just awesome. like that, is he? That's how you do it. I knew that the rugby summit, one person, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Case. He had some very, very valid points, eh? And, and when I was playing, Jim was actually a journalist and uh he was a good man. He was a good man, and he's very honest and open about uh, what he says and what he feels passionate about, and it's um, and it's great. And he's got the text machine flying, and this one is, uh, is is a good one. How can fans become engaged when the best players are constantly being rested given time off? Can you imagine the NFL allowed Rodgers, Mahomes, Brady to take the first weeks off the season? From a fan's point of view, it seems like there is lack of pride in representing the Super Rugby teams and that is a very very passionate thing because I remember one day I was talking, I've got to get off shortly one day I was talking on Sky TV and I said that they were going to rest Artie Savia and Geordie Barrett straight after and then bang, who messages me? Ian Foster Fozzie coming at me left, right and centre, we don't tell them to rest their players, they make their own decisions <laughs> and I was like, I've, hit, I've, hit, I've hit a nerve there Fozzie, sorry brother, anyway Great to chat with Jim Kays. We're going to come back and do our pacing for purpose very shortly. Louis Hermont, he'll have some gravy on that. You're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, pacing for purpose, season two. Oh, yeah. And self-assured got us paid last week. So we are rolling on Baz and Izzy for breakfast this week uh, with Harness Racing New Zealand, hrnz.co.nz. Live the dream. Go check it out. For Child Cancer Foundation, we are putting our hopes on Balafonte. Race number four tomorrow, the Crossing Handicap Trot at Addington. And um, look, you know, people say to me, why do you love... Uh, backing harness racing horses. Why I say, well, because the beauty of them are is that they could break the start before and, and run dead last, and then they can come back and win <laughs> next start. And that's what Balafonte is going to do this week. Uh, just forgive its last run. Don't look at too yeah. deep into it. The start before Izzy, it won superbly. It's got a lot of upside. we got young Corbin Newman, fantastic junior driver in the seat for Cam Jones, and Balafonte to get us in the Child Cancer Foundation paid. Don't what, overthink what it. What do you reckon that'll pay? 
What do you reckon that'll pay, mate? It's the forms of uh, the odds aren't out at you at the moment. I can't see. Oh, well, I'd say we're a nice each way chance, maybe seven dollars two forty. Yeah, Absolute mate. wild stab in the dark. <laughs> beautiful, mate. Love that. Love that. Bellafonte tomorrow. We've got a few from Mark Burden too. Beckham and Fantasy, the one that's racing tomorrow night into Akutai. So there's a few good ones coming up on the show, mate. We'll read a few of these texts, eh, because it's got everyone going. It's even got Uncle Kempi going at the thing. Sorry, mate. I've probably cut you off. No, no, you're right. We'll get to let's just save them because we've got Paulie Mawadi standing by and we're talking oh, punting. Okay. So we're talking Oh, sorry. We're, we're talking TAB.co.nz. Got to myself. Paulie, you've nearly been you've nearly been axed while you're on the line there. <laughs> sorry. It, it had to happen sooner or later. I knew his would be the one who just brought the axe down. That was it. Ruthless, wasn't oh, it? Ruthless. Sorry, mate. <laughs> How are you, my brother? What are we looking at, Paulie? Um, well, we're getting to the pointy end of the uh, Cricket World Cup here in New Zealand. Uh, we've got a bonus back promotion uh, on the two games uh, today. Hopefully uh, they get underway. The South African women are taking on the West Indies uh, women here uh, at the Basin Reserve. And I can tell you there's, there's a wee bit of precipitation about get up, uh, down this way. Um, we we actually want South Africa to win that one uh, to give the to give the white ferns a bit of a chance. Oh, oh no, 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 yeah, South Africa. Sorry, mate. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say South Africa. Get up, South Africa. Sorry, mate. South Africa. Actually, Dougie's turning on everyone. <laughs> he is turning. Uh, South Africa actually hold the key to the white ferns uh, getting into the semi final because they play the West Indies today, and their final game is against India both who are in the top four at the moment. But if they can knock both of them off uh, and sort of ruin their net run, run rate, <laughs> yeah, so there's a weaver that has to go under the bridge uh, and the White Ferns can smash, uh, who have they got, Bangladesh, in their last match, uh, then that's, there's a chance. I'm just saying there's a chance that the White Ferns can still, but the South Africans are our big, big friends at the moment. And if they can do the job against India and the West Indies in their final two games, then the White Ferns are a chance of sneaking in. But uh, a whole lot of mathematicians will have to work out just exactly what they need to do in that final game. All right, Paulie. I'll pull the abacus out from under the desk. Thank you, mate. And um, we'll talk some racing tomorrow with Pip or Thad or whoever it is. Good week. Another good week done from you. Talk soon. Cheers, boys, and uh, Thanks, all those Sunny Bill uh, fan, uh, fans who oh, backed yeah. they are very, very happy to I tell you, we took a pounding last night. Yeah, good, like Barry Hall's <laughs> face. Heavy hands, heavy pockets. <laughs> it's 29 away from <laughs> 9 o'clock this morning. And that's Paulie Mawadi, tab.co.nz. You've got hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Well done if you got paid on SB Dub. We're going to get to these texts after some sports news. Izzy, here is Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. SNZ, 27 away from uh, Izzy and my knockoff this morning and Stephen McIver to take you through the morning. Busy, busy morning. Uh, Cash Barty, we're not making any more money off her. She's retired. She's finished with um, tennis and I hope that means you got an absolute fill up on Sonny Bill Williams landing one on the chin of Big Bad Barry Hall. Nathan Brown, the Warriors coach, well he faced media yesterday and look, Glass half full, I suppose. He kind of spoke about only a few good passages of play away, not poor passages of play away, from having two wins. 
it's rarely that you see a side play a perfect 80 minutes, but you know, we're, we certainly have these little clumps where we don't make the game hard for the opposition. We had three or four little clumps on the weekend where you know the better sides might have, have one or two clumps. We can just sort of address that a little bit and, and continue to improve. I've got no doubt we're a better team than we were last year, but we still got a little bit to go so that we can get the get the wins on the board. I do notice that while um, Uncle Kempe has been sleeping in today, we haven't had any Warriors bashing. Mm. Kidding, Kempe. Mm. Kidding, Kempe. And um, look, Jim Kays, unbelievable as always around his kind of analysis on the game, the national game. He spoke about whether the All Blacks were arrogant, uh, All Blacks fans are arrogant, whether we were arrogant. Here's what he had to say. I think the All Black fan was arrogant, absolutely. But I think that arrogance has been knocked out of them in the last couple of years. Bang on, Jim. Uh, it's hard to be arrogant when you look at the results of France and Ireland. And uh, Daggy, the text machine resonated with what Jim had to say. Yes, it did. It did, Louis. Sorry, uh, I got ahead of myself with that chat with Paulie Moati. They are facing Pakistan, so they need to beat Pakistan and then the Savarok will beat West Indies. And then we need England to lose either against Pakistan or Bangladesh. So there is still a glimmer of hope for our white friends, mate. But um, yes, Jim Kays came on and the text machine was very, very passionate. I find Super Rugby boring because every team plays the same style and there seems to be a lack of skills. That is from Brian. And and Brian, look, I, I feel I know where you're coming from because a lot of teams play the pod system off 9 and off 10 and, and a very similar pattern compared to the All Blacks. But then you look at the Chiefs. The way the Chiefs play, they play a lot of 10. And they play. They don't play a pod system as such. They actually play a three kind of man, uh, three players running outside ten, and they usually hit that third guy. And that third guy on the outside usually finds a lot of space. And what I love about that is is all those attacking threats are actually genuine options, and so the defenders have to have to consider them every single time. So if you look at the way Chiefs are playing at the moment, they are playing a different brand of rugby that it is enticing. It is exciting to watch so I know what you're saying there Brian and then another one maybe just let the scrum happen and if the ball is in the scrum just carry on with the game hallelujah I totally totally hallelujah mate the ball's at the back and it's at the number eight's feet and the halfback just passes it and the ref blows it up there is no worse a thing in rugby when that happens just let the game go obviously player safety is a huge huge thing at the moment you're trying to find out but mate yeah, let's move on and keep the game flowing. And then another quickly, Louis, Geordie at 12, Will Jordan at 15. That is from Stratty in the Naki. Well, Geordie has to be there somewhere, thereabouts, whether that's at fullback, and Will Jordan has to be on the park as well. And I particularly want Geordie at the back and Will on the wing. I like Will at the, on the wing for me. Uh, but, yeah, very passionate as always, Louis. Love it. Yeah, bang on, Daggy. The temper Ted bedpost text machine is flying. Temper and bedposts range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your f- head and feet up like Kempi this morning in comfort. Uh, you can keep those texts coming through or even give us a call on the Kennards Higher phone line, 0800 150 811. Our man. Tom Abercrombie, he's up next uh, for Court Kings. They've got a game tonight, the Breakers. They are travelling okay. They're playing well. They might just need to knuckle down a wee bit more. We'll find out what Tom reckons after this. Time to catch up with our guy, Tommy Abercrombie. For Court Kings, they design and build and install basketball heaven. Tom is back on the court after rehabbing a tough injury. The lads have a game later today against the Bullets, and Tom will be looking to right the ship. And he's on the line right now. Morena, Tommy. How are you, brother? Good morning, fellas. I'm doing well, thank you. 
Mate, how's how's the body? I know you've had a couple of tough uh, games against the Perth Wildcats, uh, particularly the last one, mate. You're just just going down in the end um, by two points. So a tough, been a tough campaign for you, you and the lads. How how are the boys, mate? How's the morale in the group? Yeah, look, um, we're okay. Um, we actually played played a couple of really good games against Perth, um, yeah, especially the one down in, down in Hobart. We Gave it to him, went to overtime, and, and just unfortunately lost on lost on the buzzer to a, to a tough, you know, Bryce Cotton three. Um, we went up to Perth and, and shot out of the gates and, and played some really nice basketball. Uh, unfortunately, we just couldn't couldn't continue to knock the shots down. The second half, they made some big plays, but um, look, we, we've played we've played a lot better these last few games. We've, we've had full squad together. Um, so hopefully we can just keep building on that and be consistent and uh, keep playing some nice basketball, let the ball work for us and um, take it to these guys tonight and finally get a win. Hey, Tom, what's the vibe in the camp at the moment, mate? Yeah, look, as, as I said, it's okay. Like, um, I think a lot of the times with, um, with sports, you know, you can you look at yourself in the mirror sort of after a game and, and you look at how you've played and... Um, those games where you just know that you haven't put in the effort or you, you haven't played your best are sometimes tough to they're tough to let go, they're tough to live with. But um, you know, as long as we can look at ourselves after a game and say, Yeah, we, we put it all out there, you know, we we played how we want to play. They made some shots that you know, we said we were gonna live with, um, and they just made some tough ones then you know, it's never easy to lose but it, it makes it um, a little bit easier to sort of move on to the next one after that. And I think these last couple of games, we, as I said, we've done some good things and we're starting to build a little bit of consistency. Unfortunately, you know, we, we're, we've finally got the, the squad together at this time of the season and trying to build that um, chemistry and things uh, is, is not the ideal time to do it. But um, I think we're getting better and better every game at the moment and hopefully we can finish strong. Hey mate, scoring probably hasn't hasn't been a problem for you, but but just around letting easy easy points in and and, and defensively probably just something that you want to you want to work on um, five and fifteen for the year. Is it an easy fix? Is it an easy fix? Is that an attitude? Is it is it just being where your mate needs you to be? Um, you know, working really hard off the ball to get into position. Is it is it relatively easy fix for you and the and the boys to to get to where you want to be? Uh, you know, like if it was an easy fix, we'd, um, we'd be back in the winner's circle straight away. But um, yeah, as I think, defense isn't easy. Um, as you said, there's a lot of little things, a lot of one percenters, a lot of making extra efforts, uh, putting the body on the line, things like that. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, basketball, a lot of the times, defense just comes down to, to trying to make guys take as tough a shot as possible. And sometimes they make them. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a make or miss game. Um, and that's why you know, the NBA is so tough. You have those guys, those athletes who are so good at getting their own shots off, and you see them make these crazy shots all the time. Um, and at the end of the day, you just got to tip your hat sometimes to the players who are able to to make those shots on a consistent basis. That's how we we kind of found ourselves against Perth. Like we do a pretty good job uh, for the most part. We'd make them make it tough. You know, contested isolation shot, um, and unfortunately, you know, those guys had a couple of you know, really good players who were able to make those shots on a consistent basis. But um, as I said, it's all about consistency. Bring that effort every night. I think we've got all the pieces right now to be a really good 
defensive team, uh, we just got a shot. Hey, Tom, in your opinion, the quality of the NBL overall, has it continued to grow, do you think? For sure, for sure. It's, uh, it, it, it really is getting better and better every year, and I think that you see it in the kind of standard of, of um, imports that are coming down here now. Um, you know, you've got guys like Bryce Cotton and um, you know, other other big stars who, who sort of have that option um, not quite good enough to make the NBA and sort of what's, what's that next step for them if they go and play in, in Europe somewhere. Um, and I think still the EuroLeague is, is a step above what we're doing. But um, that, that next sort of option seems to be the NBL. And a lot of those guys who are trying to make it either back to the NBA or, or to the NBA in the first place are choosing the NBL now because it's a, it's a really good pathway. Uh, they can come to a, you know, an English-speaking country and, and, and play in a, a league whose style probably suits and is closest to the NBA of any other league throughout the world. And you're seeing guys come here and sort of hone their craft and then go back and, and play in the NBA now. And there's, and there's stories of guys who have been able to make that transition. You see guys like... Uh, Tory Craig, who came down here a number of years ago, played for played for Brisbane. Even went down and played for the Wellington Saints, and has since played, you know, I think eight years or something now in the NBA. Um, and the NBA was really a, a huge launching board for him to to start that career for him. So I think guys are starting to see that now, and the quality of the league continues to get better and better every year. What about Lamelo Ball? Lamelo Ball was only here about a year ago, uh, playing in the NBL, and now he is. An absolute superstar over for the Charlotte Hornets. Um, did you face him? Did you get to play against Melo when he was down under? And and how impressive have you been with his uh, you know, transition straight over to the big time and just putting the league on notice? Yeah, I did, man. And to be honest, he's um, he surprised me. Like I, he, yeah. he's an incredibly talented player, and he was he was very very good when he came down here and played in the NBL. But he didn't play for long. He uh, he sort of had three or four massive, massive games and um, his stock just went through the roof and he shut it down. Um, but he's gone over and just had an, an incredible start to his NBA career. So exciting and unique in how he plays. Uh, and that whole Next Stars program that he's sort of come through has been a, a resounding success as well. And we've got you know, two guys this year, Hugo Besson and Usman Dieng from, uh, from France, young um, NBA draft prospects who I think are you know, both um, slated to go in the first round in, in this year's NBA draft. Um, mm. So as I said, a lot of young guys, as well as older guys, are using the NBL as a pathway to, to get to the NBA. Lamelo was a fantastic example of, of how it can be done, and these guys like Hugo and Oost are, are following in his footsteps, and uh, we're trying to help them as much as we can make that next step and learn to play against men and um, learn to play in a fast-paced, um, sort of style and environment and mm. learn, learn English a little bit for these guys. It's got all the ingredients there um, to, be a, to be a really good stepping stone for the NBA. Nice. Brother. Well, quickly before we let you go, we're going to get a little update on you and, and how you're coping with being back. And are you is your body back to where you want it to be? Or do you feel like you've got a little bit extra to go before you get back to Tom Abercrombie dunking on everyone? <laughs> Oh man, a little, little bit extra to go. Obviously, like where where my head thinks I should be and where my legs actually are. You know, there's a little bit of a gap there. But uh, every game, it's it's getting closer and closer. I felt felt uh, definitely the best I've felt so far in that last game against Perth. Um, 
So now slowly, slowly making strides to get better. And look, I'm just, I'm just stoked to be back out there with the guys and being part of the group again and being able to get back out in the road and, and help these guys and be around them and, um, you know, talk and, and try and be the, the captain that they sort of need at the moment. So uh, I'm enjoying that side of it. And yeah, as I said, hopefully that'll translate into some wins tonight. Nice, brother. Well, all the best for the rest of the season. It's good to see you back out there, Tom. We appreciate you here on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. That was our Court Kings catch-up with the one and only Tom Abercrombie. Thanks, brother. Cheers, fellas. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.